Jarvis, drop my needle. Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day. Woo! That's an attention getter. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. What we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect for the law. Oh my God, he's an idiot. You know, of course, that you're out of your jurisdiction. Personally, I think you're an idiot. But that's the evidence in the car. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Always like to keep my audience riveted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range Idiocy, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. Everyone loves a good underdog story, whether it's the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team taking down the seemingly unbeatable Russian national team, the 2001 New England Patriots somehow beating the greatest show on turf, (laughs) or Tim taking down an entire platter of ribs in under 10 minutes. It's always fun to watch someone overcome seemingly insurmountable odds. Messing me up with my timing. And if we're talking underdogs, there's one that stands head and shoulders above the rest, at least metaphorically speaking, and that's Rocky Balboa. So we're going to get in touch with our inner Southpaws and rank all of the Rocky movies in this episode 58. Yo, idiots! We did it! My name is Todd, and with me, as always, is a man who has become the cornerstone on which a butcher shop has built their entire business along with a summer home in Cancun. He is the Cesaro to my Seamus. We don't just set the bar for idiocy on the interwebs. We are the bar for idiocy on the interwebs. I give you the man they call Tim. Greetings and salutations, my friend. How are you? I'm doing well. Once again, with a classy welcome. I, I like that. Going with the Frasier-esque sort of uh, opener. I see. And then it all goes downhill from there. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> well, As I the bourbon the- flows, so does the, <laughs> you know, uh, yes. <laughs> Well, I had another word entirely, but I like yours much better because we can say that because this is a family show. Well, there we go. Uh, I will go through... Th- I will go through the, uh, I know you're going to get this, but can you name the tag team? Well, you, you said it twice already, so I will say it thrice. The Bar. <laughs> I couldn't, I tried to find ways to not do it, but I was like, he's going to know this anyways, oh, and yeah. it's too good of a line to not use. I mean, it, Absolutely. It, it is one of the better catchphrases in wrestling history, I think. It is. You and, know? you know, you got me last week, so uh, it's okay to, you know, give me an easy one, you know, the week after. So, thank you. I, I did. I softballed that one to you, you know. I appreciate it. All right. So before we dive in here, I, I don't think we've had any kind of uh, culinary explorations this past week. Uh, no, it's it's been, uh, you know, more of the same here in Alaska. I mean, Illinois. Um, <laughs> the snow is a fallen. Uh, the temperature is a fallen. There, there's there's not a whole lot of grilling and, and all all the delivery services have kept the orders to exactly what they were. So uh, there, there has not been any further uh exploration uh in in the culinary uh sector so unfortunately no so chef's car of char isn't he's not putting on his muckalucks and going out outside and grilling right now zara char is trying to stay warm <laughs> that's what the zara char is trying to do <laughs> warm and dry that's what we're trying to stay <laughs> oh good sweet lord we're getting old All yeah right. we are so so what do we got this week for the week in Geek, sir? The week in Geek. I feel 
so funky. Uh, just a couple items. Little little house cleaning, if you will. Uh, kind of hot mm-hmm. hot on the wire this week. Saw on a couple different sources. Uh, this one's coming from. <laughs> coming from. Is it uh, the, that's a thing anymore? <laughs> the direct.com. Uh, Rian Johnson, famous or, you know, vilified for. <laughs> For the last Jedi, depending on where you <laughs> fall on 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 that topic, uh, apparently his trilogy. What was it in the Three Amigos where they're like, you know, infamous? Oh, that means really famous, <laughs> more than famous. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, yeah. So basically, he has uh, uh, he he originally was commissioned to uh, write a a new trilogy that is completely separate from the Skywalker trilogy, and mm-hmm. uh, he. But, you know, given all the kind of blowback from what happened with The Last Jedi, there was questions on whether that was really going to happen. But apparently, uh, the direct.com is reporting from USA Today, uh, author Soraya Wilson, who has revealed on Twitter that Rian Johnson's Star Wars trilogy is still in the works. There are no dates or timelines because he has other projects going on, but it is happening. I think here at Free Range Idiocy, we are going to rate this as even further ahead than the Peacock's BSG series, because we all know where that oh, is right by now. By far, and- <laughs> by far. <laughs> and somehow I'm thinking Rian Johnson is, you know, several steps ahead of them. So, <laughs> so yes, it, it looks take like much. I think it- Go ahead. that actually needs its own like Twitter account where it's like one of those things where the where they're like you know an update on this person and they're like oh no this person is still alive and that's the only thing that Twitter account does right I think that 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 should be a, a like the BSG reboot still nothing that should just be like every week <laughs> 435 days and still nothing yeah not a f- Cracking thing, scrap nope. of paper, nothing. <laughs> Not, so this is this is interesting because I am a I'm a you know if again if only because of my contrarian nature I'm a big <laughs> Rian Johnson fan. I like the fact that so many people are like getting out the pitchforks and torches. I'm like you know what, damn it, uh, Rian, I'll be right on the I'll be on the the battlements with you. Just we'll take them on together. That's and, right. That's right. <laughs> you know. Because I'd, I'd really dug his take on Star Wars and, you know, the fact that they then had to spend an entire movie undoing what he did and then doing it really badly yeah. is just to me, it's like, ah, yes, that is your comeuppance. That's what happens when you mess with the Rianne, you mm-hmm. know? So I'm excited about this, but I, I didn't think there was a chance in hell it would happen. <laughs> yeah, I, I am too. I, I think, um, you know, there, there's no details uh, about really anything pertaining to it, but you know, go, going back to our prior episodes where we've talked about Last Jedi and and you know Rise of Skywalker, I I really appreciated what he was trying to do, and I really wish for the fan base that they would give him, you know, some leeway and some and some space to to just, you know, because much like we've seen with the Mandalorian, I think a lot of the reason why it's gone so well is that Favreau and Filoni know they they strike the right balance between you know, keeping it to what fans expect, but also pushing the boundaries a bit, you know, and, and I think Rian Johnson just mm. pushed the boundaries away a lot. And and I was okay with it. You know, I, I thought it was refreshing to see something different, you know, in, in that movie and to see it be something that wasn't a retread of Empire. It wasn't, you know, it, it really was a mm-hmm. unique, you know, story unto itself. Could have been trimmed down a bit, probably had a little fat to it that didn't need to be there. 
but overall it was you know it, it was an interesting you know take and and i liked where he was trying to go so mm-hmm. for a trilogy that's non-skywalker based i'm really curious to see what he's coming up with and what he can build it around that would be compelling you know especially if it's like set in in you know the future you know you know beyond where rise of skywalker is you know way in the future or even like when i'm playing with the old republic i mean going into the past and kind of exploring some of the lore and or or defining some of the lore of the past that you know eventually connects up with the 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 stories that we're all familiar with so i'm i'm really kind of curious where he's going to mm-hmm. go um and and see where you know see, see where he takes it i think i still to this day think that i don't think he pushed the things that far i don't think he pushed the boundaries that far i think it was really the tone of luke that really rubbed people the wrong way however it worked for me because it just it made so much sense to me with what that character had been through yeah that that i I really feel like that was the biggest thing that he did um and maybe maybe a little bit with like what he did with kylo and and things like that but i I really think it was Luke. I think well, that was a thing, and I honestly feel like that was the most realistic thing that's ever happened in Star Wars. Yeah, and, and I guess when I say pushing the envelope, it, it does kind of, you know, in a more subtle way, you know, kind of the ending of Last Jedi with with Broom Boy and the fact that he was, you know, that that Rian Johnson was trying to establish that Force users don't have to be. Mm-hmm. You know these a Skywalker. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a, a, a lineage kind of based thing. That 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 like what I came away from that movie was the force could start to permeate and be in different people regardless of lineage. And and that's an interesting yes. thing to look at. And I think that would have been like if they had taken the tact in in the movie after that, it may not have been called Rise of Skywalker. I don't know what it would have been called. But rather than it be, you know, the the Avengers endgame with the spaceships, it would have been more true to Star Wars to have mm. it be a mass of people who have just kind of harnessed, you know, the forces has just kind of permeated itself through a lot of different beings within the galaxy. And they all have stepped up and come forward to be the ones to take on whatever the, the villainous, you know, group is going to be, whether it's the first order or the final order or the emperor's order. You know, I, I liked where he was trying mm-hmm. to go with it. It was trying to take it in a different direction, get it away. You know, the fact that Ray, you know, had that moment where it's like, oh, I'm just, I'm from two people who were nothing. You know, I mean, that that was a great twist yeah. to what happened in Empire. Rather than it being a reveal that she's connected to someone, yes. it's the reveal that she really is of no one of significance. And now it's just a question of, is she willing to just kind of, you know, blaze her own path and, and, and you know, or blaze her own trail, mm-hmm. I need to say. So that's why I have some to hope. To lift but, her own rocks, as all Jedis must do. Yes. Yes, to, to to lift her own rocks, because that's apparently all that the Force is good for with most Jedis is lifting rocks. Yes. I think, I think there's something to what you were saying. I like that idea, although I think it would be interesting, this idea, because it's really kind of odd to me that the idea that, you know, the Jedis are gone, yeah. and then there's, like, no one who's using the force like well the, if the force is supposed to be in everything and around everything and holding the whole universe together it's still kind of there yeah. it's almost like that whole like idea of like the conservation of matter like it's neither destroyed or created it just is mm-hmm. it's always there in some form and maybe this idea of 
of course they've already used the they've already used the title, but this idea of the force awakening mm-hmm. <laughs> in all of these people, like all of a sudden, what would happen if if so many if if like thousands of people across the galaxy all of a sudden realized they had this connection to the force and it just like hit them all at once. Yeah. Yeah. You know, something like that could have been a cool springboard into further adventures. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Instead of like the on your left moment that they totally didn't earn. Yeah. But I so here's my idea. Here's what I think this is going to be based on. And you you tell me if I'm trying to heal it up or be a troll on this. I think it's going to be a trilogy based on the story of that kid with the broom. As he's getting older, because you you go you go forward like ten years or so, yep. and you know first order is gone, and you know things are changing and all that. It's that kid with the broom, and who is his Jedi master? Rose. Ah, there you go. And we get Miss Tran, the respect that she so richly deserves yep. after being just like sidelined in Rise of Skywalker. No kidding. Because uh, you find out afterwards, like, oh, wait, she was a Jedi. And she, and, yes, that would be, I would love that because you know what? There would be so many Star Wars fans who'd be like scanners, like just their head exploding. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it would be awesome. Oh, I love it. I would just walk around like, yeah, Jedi Master about. Rose. Mm-hmm. And, and her and her lightsaber is rose colored, not red, rose colored. There you yes. go. Yes, mm-hmm. looking like a little Bartles and James, right? <laughs> we thank you for your support. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, those commercials, man! Oh, oh those are awesome. Yep. But yeah, so I I'm I'm excited for it. I'm I'm really excited for it because I I, am too. I think that I I honestly think the, that. If if we hadn't gone through what we went through with the post the postquill, if you will, mm-hmm. that the Mandalorian wouldn't have been what it's been over two seasons. Fair, yeah, that's fair. I, that's I fair. think the 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 wrong turns there were for a reason, and we got to where we are for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'm I'm looking. I think that I think people actually would take to that now after after being having a little bit of a palate cleanser from the. Even though we got Luke, but a palate cleanser from the Skywalker saga, you know, mm-hmm. of like, hey, Star Wars can exist without this. And the idea, like, people are like, oh, my gosh, how is she not a Skywalker? And this and that thing. You did notice that there was other, like, Jedis that were not. I mean, it wasn't like all, like, all of the, like, Yoda wasn't like Yoda Palpatine. Right. <laughs> like, right. It was it, different folks. And, you know, it, it did happen. It did happen in the past. I'm just mm-hmm. saying. Mm-hmm. But I'm excited. I'm excited. Color me, uh, you know, mildly optimistic. All right. I C- shall do Cautiously so. optimistic. I shall do so. Uh, and, and the only other item, uh, just thought, you know, after our last episode where we went deep on WandaVision, uh, I, I think really uh, this past weekend we, we got a really good episode, uh, great reveal at the end, and uh, our first end credits uh you know kind of typical marvel uh, scene at the end just want to get you know a couple mm-hmm. couple hot takes on uh the most recent wandavision episode that sucked it's horrible i hated you're, it you're awful <laughs> no who am i kidding i i lapped it up like i was just oh it was like oh it's glorious it really it's it's so 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 good, mm-hmm. and and I so I've been I was listening to um, 
to the newest episode of Fat Man Beyond with uh, with with as I like to call him Keb because I managed to misspell it on Twitter. So now I got to refer to him as Keb Smith, my good buddy go. Keb Smith, and uh, and Mark Bernardin, who uh, man, they, just the fact that they have done so much. Because you really, I mean, really, our bar was so low. And we said this in the last episode. Like, the bar was so low, you weren't thinking it wasn't going to be a huge thing. It's like, and they're just, they are doing stuff in mm-hmm. this series. A lot of stuff that, I mean, you're talking like the same sort of forward motion that you would get through a, a movie. Yeah. And maybe a movie or two at this point. Like, you're introducing a, you're introducing a big bad. You're, well, you're introducing the possibility of a big bad in Wanda. You're introducing the possibility of a big bad in in Agatha, mm-hmm. but you're also introducing the idea of like Agatha could be Loki's to uh, could be Loki to Thanos, like mm-hmm. the herald of the next big bad. Yeah, you know, I mean, oh my gosh! And then of course Monica, I mean, oh, dude, superhero landing, oh. superhero. They, oh. they couldn't get Ryan Reynolds a little cameo off to the side, like superhero landing. That would have been just great. <laughs> that would have been just great. Because I mean, when she when she did when she came down and you saw that, I'm just like, oh, they're serious about this now. Because mm-hmm. she wouldn't land like that if she wasn't a hero. I mean, we well, saw her with like she had the vision, like as she came through the the hex and she could see all the electromagnetic fields and everything. Like, okay, well maybe that's just an effect. It wasn't official until all of a sudden she landed with like the one knee and the fist down. I'm like, oh, they're serious about this. It's gonna I, be oh, come on. I don't know if it was just me, but I thought Wanda was starting to look a little concerned when that happened. Oh, she was. I was like, I'm like, I was so ready because I'm, I'm, I was on the again. Like I was, there is. I have. I now have a new term for this. I was Skywalker, edge of my seat. There watching we go. This. There we go. I was all the way up on the edge of the seat. I'm like, oh, we're gonna see Monica and Wanda go toe to toe, and then go all of a sudden, Agnes on one with the Great One. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Finally, Monica Rambo has come back to Westview. <clears throat> oh my good sweet mama. But then of course, Ag- you know, Agnes shows up and steers Wanda away. I'm like, "Oh, yeah. no." So yeah. but then of course, you know, they they gave us a little something something to to you know, kind of, you know, soothe us after that cuz I, I was like ready for the clash of the titans. I'm like, "No." I, I wanted to s- I wanted to see punchy, punchy, and magic, and you know, flashes and stuff. Zappy, zappy, <laughs> zappy, zappy. Yes, <laughs> I wanted me some serious zappy, zappy. Come on! Oh my gosh! Oh, yeah, man. it was so good, man. It was so good, and it and was. just even vision in in like his and uh, uh, you know what, everyone's talked about, and I'm I'm fully on. I'm I am almost like as on board with with this concept as i was with space chips but the but the the um the the darcy jimmy woo offshoot of the like spin-off show i'm all yep. in on that i kind of want you know this weird sort of like reality show with vision and darcy though cuz yeah. all their stuff in the, i i was thoroughly enjoying that i'm like oh my gosh this is great i want i want to watch a, a weekly you know maybe not a half hour like a 15 minute web series i could deal with just random stuff with darcy and vision that i that, could deal with that that was one of the, the the points i thought was really kind of interesting with bringing her character back because she was such a forgotten character after thor and thor mm-hmm. 2 that yeah cuz then they you know, revamped like, where, Thor. Where's Darcy in all of this, right? Or or where was yeah. I forget Natalie Portman's character, but where where has she been in all of this? 
and you know, again, Jane it, Foster. Jane Foster. It, it goes to the the richness and depth of the universe. The fact that they can just sideline some characters and then bring them back into these sort of offshoot, you know, stories that they're telling. And have them provide depth, mm. and, you know, like you know, Darcy being the character that's kind of informing Vision on his, in, in, you know, his whole history and background, you know, because he he, I mean, and, mm. and granted, the great part is we didn't have to sit there and watch her, you know, go into exposition on the whole thing, you know, we we heard a couple points well, but that she, she is. Well, we know that she is because of the little bit that she said. You know what I'm saying? Like, like the little bit they they hit on, yes. like what happened yeah, yeah. in Endgame, or sorry, at the end of Infinity War with Wanda, you know, having to kill him, and then Thanos reversing time, and then killing him a second time. We know that she's filled him in on everything else. Like, we don't have to hear about all of it. You know what I mean? And and that's what I think is just so great yeah. about the tight storytelling is that, but just by dropping those little breadcrumbs, you know you kind of get the sense that vision understands now the whole picture of what has gone on. And, and now that he understands a little bit more about yeah. probably what Wanda's dealing with and what, you know, what's driving, what's motivating her right now. Yes. There's, and I think that's such a great, um, there's a, oh my gosh, it's a, this is a deep, deep, deep cut for everybody, but there's a show called red dwarf and, uh, it's an old BBC show. And actually I think it's, it's still, it's always been a very sporadic production, but they they had a, a character who was an android, and they brought him in essentially because they were able to then have exposition on two legs. So wherever <laughs> they went, they had the character who was very smart and intelligent and had all this knowledge and could just then give you all the information you needed in like a quick paragraph of dialogue, and it's like, here is everything you need to know. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what Darcy is because yeah. they've already kind of established her as like, hey, she's wicked smart and wicked sarcastic. So she's going to give you this and she's going to give you a couple of laughs, and, but she can give you a ton of information because she has got a wicked big brain. Yes. And, yep. you know, and so I love how they've, they've been using her. And, and I, like, I like how you put it. Like it, all the exp- you know that she's giving exposition, but they do it off screen mm-hmm. and then they they respect the viewer enough to th- to to realize like you probably know a lot of this and if you don't mm-hmm. catch up yeah because if you're watching this show you have Disney Plus and guess what everything you need is right here mm-hmm. ha mm-hmm. go watch some of our other things oh it's it's so great the way they're doing this and taking advantage of like that that thing where it's like oh you don't know this oh you didn't know hey. You can go watch it now. Your ass better call somebody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there's literally nothing that you can't go and watch that you need for this show. Yeah. Oh, it's great. And oh, the best part, great. the best part, my brother, is mm. oh. from last episode. Testify. The real mm-hmm. Agnes as Agatha Harkness. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, winner, winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> we actually ding, got one right. Let's, ding. let's, let's, yeah, ding, ding. <laughs> yes. Hey, you know what? We got one! And, but the funny thing is, as, as I was listening to Fat Man Beyond, like, you know, Mark Bernard referred to it as like, or was it, I can't remember if it was Keb or, or Mark, or, uh, Mark. But, uh, but referred to it as like the worst kept secret in the Marvel Universe, which I'm yeah. like, okay, yeah. fine. But the funny thing is, like, and it does, Lynn, it does give you kind of an in on where they're heading with this. Because if you look up Agnes uh, Harkness, uh, Ag- uh, Agatha Harkness, mm-hmm. 
the two references that she's tied to, like she originated as a character in the first hundred epi- uh, first hundred, uh, it's like ep- uh, issue eighty something or ninety something of Fantastic Four. Oh, interesting. That's interesting. where she came in, hmm. and her she's associated with Scarlet Witch and Fantastic Four. Those are really t- her two kind of like associations in the Marvel universe. Interesting. Ooh. Interesting. Yeah. So eventually they were kind of saying, like, you can't have a Scarlet Witch story without eventually getting to Agatha. Yeah. But she's also tied into Fantastic Four. Yeah. It's going to be, oh, yeah. I'm I'm so digging this. Yeah. So good. And it's going in such a great direction. And and I I so uh, oh man I really I really 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 again Kevin Feige I don't ask you for much because mostly you've given I me mean, everything I could ever want, but man keep Agatha around I want more Catherine Hahn in my life I am just so digging what she's doing and I I'm so digging what she does as an actor mm. all the way down to like just what she's done in in different like spot places or, or uh, if you've ever watched uh, the movie uh, The Goods. With Jeremy Piven, and I don't think I have. Oh, oh my gosh, what's his name? I can't remember his name. Uh, he was in, he was in the Green Mile. He was the prisoner. Oh, um, he was in Armageddon. I'm I'm blanking on his name, and he was apparently like this gigantic dude who was like a, an immense like sweetheart sort of dude, and he died way too young. I can see his face. I can't think of his name. Here, I'll look it up. Keep Michael going. Clark Duncan. There we go. Good man. Okay, but uh, but she was in that, and then just even her spot place, uh, her spot kind of guest stars on Parks and Recreation, and just everything I've ever seen her in. She is just she comes in and just starts chewing scenery around people, but in not mm-hmm. like not in somewhat the same way that like you know uh, you know Robert Downey Jr. does. Like you just better you better keep up. Yeah, that sort of yeah. thing. Like she just does it in this very sort of way. Like. I'm just going to own this and yep. I'm going to do it in a very subtle way until like you don't even realize it until afterwards. Like, Oh crap. I just got outclassed <laughs> Com- completely. No one was even, no one even knew I was in that scene. My mom watched it and didn't even know I was in that scene. Damn That's it. Funny. Um, but no, I, I'm enjoying her, and I would love to see her as as more of a part of the Marvel universe. I mean, even if it doesn't come down to like where she's a big bad, if she's like kind of like the Loki, like the mm-hmm. herald to the big bad, right? So right. be it. Like I could totally see her being a Loki character, and just sort of like bopping in and bopping out and doing mm-hmm. her thing and just causing chaos and letting out that cackle and then just going about her day. Like, oh, I'm down for that. Totally. So I have to ask, because I just noticed mm. this when you said Feige's name. So do we call Favreau, Filoni, and Feige the holy trinity of sci-fi? <laughs> Pretty much at this point, yes. They are the three Fs. <laughs> yeah, we have Fantastic Four, which is the four F. We got we got the three Fs, which yes. Nice. Nice. The the three horsemen of, of the uh of the, the nerdiverse, I think, is is a pretty way to go at this point. All right. Well on that oh, note, my uh, that my friends is the Weekend Geek. Well, thank you so much, sir, for for diving in and finding all that information for us. Uh, mm-hmm. It is certainly appreciated by me because I didn't have to do a dang thing for that segment. So, here we are. We're going to rank all of the Rocky movies. And for uh, for ding, those who are wondering, ding, <laughs> yes, <laughs> this includes uh, Rocky one through five, Rocky Balboa, which I guess you would count as Rocky six, and mm-hmm. then the two Creed movies. Yes. So we have a total of eight. 
And yes, I did double check that with a calculator because <laughs> I don't math very well. As history has so, shown us. <laughs> we, we'll be ranking these I carry uh, the one two. to eight. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. There's no two to carry. I know, but I did anyways, and somehow I still got it right. I don't know. I don't know. You did calculus to do a simple math problem. I took the derivative. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Why did you need a graphing calculator to do this? It's simple division. I don't know. You used a graphing calculator and, and it was Rocky holding his hands up. <laughs> <laughs> you are both brilliant and immensely stupid. These two things shouldn't exist within the same person. Oh, it's like God. matter and antimatter. All right. Anyways, oh. but we're going to rank all the movies and we're going to kind of go back and we're going to do something a little different. We're going to go by twos mm-hmm. to kind of keep this interesting. Uh, so because we did a coin flip and I deferred to the second half re- <laughs> and then realized there was no second half, Tim is going to go first. So uh, what do you got for number eight and number seven on your list, sir? All right. So rounding out the bottom of the barrel, as we call oh. it. Oh, geez. That's right. Bottom of the barrel. <laughs> Uh, I had to go with uh, Rocky Five and Rocky Four, hmm. and I, I I chose those two for this reason. So you love you love communism? Uh, yes, very much so. Very much so. <laughs> um, <laughs> Rocky Five, I think universally now. When it came out, I I I'll, I will admit when it came out, I was such a fanboy for Rocky content. That mm. I really tried to find the positives in it. Having yeah. twenty years later watched it with my my teenage son, and you know, take take it in in kind of the context, like like basically like two, I think it was like two years ago, over the holidays, mm-hmm. uh, Christmas holidays, uh, we we watched one through five, and when you watch them sequentially that way in a short period of time. Oh my gosh, does it really stand out how bad that movie is? <laughs> yes. Quality-wise, story-wise, any otherwise, it really was just not a strong outing for the franchise. And no. I have to put this at bottom of the barrel. It's also like very late 80s, early 90s, which is like one of the darkest periods of pop culture. Yeah ever like yeah. oh it's wretched it's oh. a, it's a, it's just a sea of zubaz and just horrificness and it all built up to this street fight in rocky five mm. you know i mean that's what it all built up to was let's have rocky because he can't compete in the ring because he's supposedly got brain damage let's have him compete in a street fight because yeah. that'll go well you know what i mean yes um yeah it, it just was bad and and you know it was also you know, looking back on it, it was just a really, you know, in some ways I, I almost felt like it was kind of a, a an ego vehicle for Stallone in some ways because, you know, he worked his son Sage into it, um, playing the role of his son. And, and you know, Sage did a serviceable job. I mean, it wasn't, you, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, the Oscars or anything there. But, but, you know, the fact that it was just kind of a, you know, very weak story, um, it was a different story in that, you know, Rocky was kind of transitioning into the Mickey role and he was taking this kid under his wing and you had, um, I forget the actor's name, but he did a brilliant job playing the Don King-esque kind of promoter. Um, you know, let's put some hustle behind this muscle, you know? Oh, I'll keep talking it, if you want to look isn't that a Isn't that Richard Grant? Richard isn't Grant. Isn't it Richard Gant? Or, George yeah, W. Yeah. Duke? Yep. 
he was he was fantastic as as the Don King you know kind of promoter. But but mm. overall, it was just a weak story. Um, Rocky Four I have at the bottom with Rocky Five because again, sitting and watching the movies in sequence with my son, it really stood out how Rocky Four was really just a workout video. <laughs> Shall we call it? Um, I mean, it, it did have a very, very yeah. critical story point moment with you know the death of Apollo Creed. But really, when mm-hmm. you kind of watch the movie, and especially watching him close with Rocky Three and Rocky Two, you're just kind of like, yeah. what was really gained by this? You know, like like this was just you know Rocky is just fighting this guy because he's mad he killed his best friend. You know, I mean that's really all it is, and. Mm-hmm. It, you know, I, I, I loved Rocky four as a kid, you know, as a teenager watching it when it came out, it, it was, it was very shocking. Um, you know, I, I started, I mean, I'll, I'll say this now and it'll influence things later on, but you know, my first my first exposure to Rocky was Rocky three. So when I saw Rocky four and mm. I saw Apollo Creed die, it was very shocking to me because that character just seemed like a mm. character that was just part of Rocky's universe, you know, and, and, and he, how could he die? You know, it just, it was at yeah. that time it was shocking, but what followed after that really mm. was just this very kind of empty story of just Rocky training, Drago training, and then 15 rounds of pummeling the crap out of each other. You know what I mean? And, and that was all it was. Yes. And then it, and then it yeah. was that, 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 that speech mm-hmm. at the end. Where it's like if I can change and you can change, mm-hmm. everybody can change. <laughs> and Rocky has solved yeah. and, and established world peace. Yes, and Rocky ends the Cold War, and the foe Gorbachev stands up. Yes, and he runs for president yeah, in like you know yeah. four years. So. Yeah, and you know if he did that now, even with brain damage, eh, it's a fifty-fifty shot. <laughs> so. <laughs> So those are my bottom two, Rocky Four and Rocky Five. Uh, sir, what what were your bottom two? All right. So at number eight, I had Rocky Five as well. Which I mean, quite honestly, let's face it, you could put this at like number ten or twelve, and just put in like Rocky and Bullwinkle. Not even like the classic cartoons, like the Robert De Niro like Drek that was released in the '90s or whenever it was. You know, The Rock by you know with, with Sean Connery and and Nicolas Cage and any other movies, any other two movies that you want to pick that have Rock in the title. Mm-hmm. And you'd you'd most people would just go, I'll allow it. <laughs> because again there is very few part of it part of the problem with this movie is the fact that there's very few eras that have aged as poorly as like that late 80s early 90s vibe yeah there's something about it that just rubs you the wrong way it's like when you take a cat and you rub their fur the wrong way and they kind of give you that look like you really want me to scratch your eyes out in the middle of the night don't you (laughs) it just doesn't sit right and I don't know what it is. Um, of course, uh, you know, uh, to- uh, Tommy Morrison's acting is not great, but he's a boxer. What do you want? You know, right. if you're the thing is like part of the part of the problem is is relying on someone like that to carry a lot of like dramatic weight. Um, as we'll talk about in the Creed movies, they don't they don't really ask those the professional boxers to carry that sort of weight like they've got Mm. pro boxers in there they're not asking them to be like you know oh by the way we're going to put you in king lear on stage on broadway 
They don't do that. They're like, hey, guess what? We want you to talk like a boxer. Sweet. I know how to do that. And just mm-hmm. dial it up a little bit. Oh, cool. I always wanted to do that. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. it's like I get to be the professional wrestling version of my boxer self. Sweet. I love it. You know, I can imagine that being a huge thrill for those guys. It is kind of, I think that's the, the biggest problem. It just doesn't age very well. Yeah. The other problem, I think, is that, and this is something that Stallone had said, is that at the end of Rocky V, he wanted Rocky to die. Rocky was supposed to die at the end of five. And the fact that that doesn't happen along with the, you know, the, the, the just not aging well sort of thing, it does take away from it because you get yeah. to that point of like, if Rocky goes through this, then you do complete the cycle. Now at the time before Rocky Balboa and even actually Rocky Balboa had, had come out, I was of the opinion that yes, Rocky should have died at the, at the end of that street fight. Because then he he comes from a like a, a, a you know this pug you know tomato can fighter and he kind of goes back there but he goes back there with some dignity. Mm-hmm. I could have gone with that, but the fact is you don't get there. Yeah, and it's this kind of a weird celebratory ending in the street fight, and it, it is it is an odd odd thing. However, considering where we kind of are now. I've come around to the fact that I'm kind of glad they didn't kill off Rocky. I just wish they hadn't made Rocky five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just almost want to wish it was, I mean, I mean, I, you know, Bill Simmons pushed this for, for the longest time when he was doing the Boston sports guy column, just, just the complete disacknowledgement that Rocky five ever happened. And, and there was yes. even like a sports guy cartoon that had come out like for, a Oh God, those you, are horrible. Weren't they? <laughs> They were, but they were really funny. I mean, it's just like the whole thing, like he's yeah, in the video yeah. store with his friend and they rent Rocky Five, and he gives it to his friend and his friend just gets this like devil look on his face and just like drops the elbow from the top, you know, on, on the DVD to destroy it because it never happened. Because <laughs> it was yeah. just that bad. I mean, it just. Yeah. It's almost like in Parks and Recreation when Ron goes to like the health food, like the healthy, like the Whole Foods of, of Parks and Recreation world. Yep. And they're like, hey, would you like some vegan bacon? Yes, please. And he just takes it and drops it in the trash. I'd like another. And just keeps on dropping them in the trash until the guy won't give them anymore. And then April's like, I'd like one. And she does the same thing. And there's this <laughs> shine of like admiration on Ron's face. Uh, one of my favorite moments. Um, oh, my gosh. How, how, how come we don't have more parks and recreation? Damn it. Okay. Anyway, sorry. That's a I show I need to watch. I have not watched it. What? I know. I know. I'm behind, my man. I'm behind. You're dead to me. You're dead to me. This takes okay, on a so whole new meaning now that we can see each other. <laughs> here's the thing. I know, because you probably thought the video was frozen, but it was just my shock. Um, so here's the thing. So what show are you and you and your wife working on right now? Uh, we're actually kind of jumping between Frasier and Mad About You. I've never seen Mad About You, which apparently is a very good show. Well, yeah. Paul Reiser. Isn't Helen Hunt the other? Paul Reiser and Helen Hunt, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, it's kind of hard to argue with that one. Yeah, they're both really good. Okay, but after that, you've got to watch Parks and Recreation. Now, the thing is... We have talked about starting it, so maybe we need you're, to do it post You're going to have to kind of push through the first two ser- uh, seasons. Ah, it's still like a next generation sort of deal, huh? Yeah, they were kind of finding themselves. They shifted some characters and stuff like that. But, this, I mean, it's still funny. 
but it's just yeah. not as funny as the later series uh, seasons. Right. But yeah, definitely, definitely do that. Oh my gosh, dude! Just Nick Offerman is, uh, and then the fact that the fact that Nick Offerman is is kind of like in some ways polar opposite of Ron Swanson, mm-hmm. but also, he, but he still talks like him. Yeah, just that, that that's his normal cadence is just sort of it's it's so bizarre when you hear him <laughs> doing an interview and you're like, oh, this isn't Ron Swanson. But yet it sounds so freaking much like him. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, so, yeah, Rocky five. It's definitely the less of the Rocky movies. But I mean, it's understandable. It's it's also interesting to note that uh, the the director and writer team for this is the exact same as Rocky. So John Avelson was the director for the first Rocky, Sylvester Stallone, of course, the 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 writer of the first Rocky, of mm-hmm. course, famous the the famous story that goes around Hollywood that I wonder how true it really is, but how Rocky how how Sylvester Stallone was so poor he had to like pawn his dog and but yet he would not sell the script for Rocky unless he got to play Rocky Mm -hmm. and they were offering all this money and they wanted James Caan to play Rocky and he's like I would rather bury the script and let the worms play Rocky than James Caan and and eventually they relented like they kept on coming back with more and more money and he held out and he actually ended up taking less money for the entire deal than he would have been just to sell the script and be done with it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. so at, 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 that was Rocky one. And then after that, Rocky two, II, three and four were all Sylvester Stallone. Mm-hmm. Like he wrote and directed all of those movies. And then for Rocky five, you kind of get the feeling like this was supposed to be like the last ride because yeah. he br- John Avelson was brought back and Sylvester Stallone wrote it. Mm, didn't quite land quite as well as the original Rocky. Nope. Nope. Not even a little bit. Nope. Uh, so next up in my list would be uh, Creed Two mm. at number seven, and and this is mostly it's not really a slight against Creed Two. It's just a, at that point I kind of got to a point where I'm like, the other movies just were just a little bit better. They were just a little bit better because there's nothing in this movie that I detest. Mm-hmm. There's nothing here that I was like, oh my gosh, this is wrong. Not not like Rocky Five. So. You know, I like the idea of of kind of bringing in uh, Drago, of bringing back you know Ivan Drago, and then his you know Drago Junior. You know, he's a he's a chip right off the old you know test tube, um, and uh, <laughs> and the further adventures of of you know of Adonis Creed, and of mm-hmm. course uh, bringing in oh my gosh, what's uh, what's her name? Why can I not Tessa remember Thompson? Tessa Thompson? But but her character's name is uh, Bianca. Bianca, yes, thank you. Uh, I, I really, I did like that arc. I like the fact that they carried over like Bianca's hearing loss, and and the fact that it's getting worse. Like yeah. it, it, they carry that through. I, oh, actually, one more thing for Rocky Five. That was the last ride for the complete Rocky cast. Yes. Well, actually, no, because you don't have Apollo. So, but but you have you have a you have an appearance by Burgess Meredith. You have yeah. um, you have Adrian. You have Burt Young. You have uh, Duke. You have all those guys. Anyways, uh, but going into Creed two, um, I I I like the flick. It's just not a a flick that I have honestly. I have not been compelled to get it on Blu-ray, mm-hmm. and that's kind of like the measure for me now of like, oh well. You know, like I know I'm probably going to have Disney Plus for the rest of time. Disney I just Plus. know that. 
because I'm in on Star Wars, Marvel, and Disney because you know I've I've got a kid, and and I also like National Geographic, and I watch a lot of Marvel and all that. Um, so I know I'm going to be in on this. So fine, but Rocky ain't on that. So the fact that I've got. <laughs> <laughs> you jerk. I just got to tell everybody. So again, we have video now and 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 Tim is tipping back like a oh serves you right. Serves you right. He's knocking back like a 20 24 ounce Pellegrino like he's, you know, toasting the world series. And now the bubbles are getting into his lungs. Could I say? If you had, if you've been drinking bourbon, that wouldn't be a problem. Um you wouldn't have the bubbles. That's the great thing about bourbon. There's no carbonation. Anyways, um, but Creed 2, I, I just haven't, like, when I watched Creed, I was like, I am totally buying this. I, I am going to own this. I want mm-hmm. to have this forever. I haven't done that with Creed 2. Now, granted, this week I might go buy it, and it'll probably be in, like, the $7 bin yeah. <laughs> at my local DVD store. So I'm not all that upset, but I've, I've it's a good movie. It's just not one that compelled me to be like, oh, I gotta have this okay i will touch on it uh in my next uh pairing ah well then let's get on to your next pairing what do you have as number six and five on your list sir at number six i have rocky balboa um Mm -hmm. i i I did like this flick i really feel like this was what rocky five should have been you know it it was this was Mm -hmm. the return to the rocky from the very first movie Mm. By having it, you know, kind of telling the story of the aged, you know, boxer who, you know, really can't fight the way he used to, given his age. Um, I, I really mm. love the scene with with Duke, you know, older Duke kind, kind yes. of running down the laundry list of, you know, you got calcium <laughs> deposits in your joints. You got this. You yes. got that. We just need to get raw power. And then he just cracks his neck and he's like, let's build some bombs. <laughs> Yeah, let's let's build some hurting bombs. Some hurting bombs. That's oh, right. That, that see, I got chill. Oh man, I just that, got some chills thinking about that. That oh. scene. That scene. Tony Burton. I just what what oh, what yeah. what, a, what a treasure that guy is playing Duke uh, in all these movies. I mean, he was just oh. go even. I mean, I'm jumping ahead, and I apologize, but jumping to Rocky too when he just leans over that desk and he's like, "He's all wrong for us, baby." <laughs> Yeah, that's a man we don't need in our life. I saw you hit that man as hard as I've seen any man get hit, and he kept on coming. Yes, yes, was, it was great. Tony because the Burton. thing is, like in that moment, he's communicating, like he's communicating, like just how he's again in the professional wrestling terms. It's mm-hmm. like Triple H seeing Cactus Jack yes. and reacting like, "Oh dear God, I am seeing like." the like the devil reincarnated yes and he the way he's reacting it just builds rocky's character so much because then you're like wow this is scary like this is a dude who's trained apollo all this time and he's he's actually like legit scared right. of rocky right yeah oh t- oh he's a great he was great in all so in movies. rocky balboa he was fantastic and and just yes you know the overall story was was a great one um you know this. I mean, overall, doing this list was really hard because, outside of five and four, I really felt like all of the outings from that point on are, you know, each have their own kind of endearing quality to them. And and then in this one with with Balboa was, 
the idea that it wasn't just that he was this aging fighter fighting a young you know champion who was trying to you know kind of make um his mark as being tough but it was it, it was that whole like like speech he has with Polly where he talks about the beast inside of him and dealing with the loss of Adrian. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the stuff like, in the basement. The stuff in the basement. That was the heart of the movie. And and I loved at the end mm. of the fight, even though it went to a draw, when he you know, he's hugging Polly and he's just like, you know, the 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 beast is gone now. You know, like like that one match mm. and what he just did exercised that demon for him. You know what I mean, and and that that was yeah. really that was such a uh, it's just such an endearing quality of the movie because, you know, he he's taking that that topic of grief, and the loss of someone who is like, you know, this 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 foundational part of your life, and that void that's there, and mm. you know, he's using the fight as almost like his way of fighting that demon, you know, like like and and. It was great, you know, because at the end of the fight, it's not all about, you know, it goes back to Rocky one. It wasn't about whether he won or lost the fight. It was the fact he went the distance. You know what I mean? And and that's what mattered. Yes. And, you know, the, the, the show of respect to the young fighter, the, the show of respect, you know, both ways. And just that kind of, you know, that that triumphant walk out of the arena was was what made that movie so mm. great. I mean, that's what made it emotional. And it really it was a way of, of kind of striking the, the, some of the tones from the first movie in this sixth outing in a way that was unique and different. But, but I have it down yes. here at number six. Um, at number five, I have Creed two, which I know you had at your number seven. Here's the reason why I put Creed two above mm-hmm. Balboa. All right, preach to me. Out, out of all the Rocky movies, I felt like Creed two had the most realistic fights in them. And I say it this way because in Creed 2, you get this idea that Creed, like Adonis in the very first match with Drago, he can't go toe-to-toe with him. He's not prepared. He doesn't know how to fight within the Mm. box with him. And because of that, he gets hurt Mm -hmm. very badly. And because of Drago's over-aggressiveness, he escapes with the title. The the way he trains Mm -hmm. and then that second match, it wasn't all about and, and this is where, like, when we get into Rocky three, and even in Rocky four, the, the fights take on sometimes almost a comical tone because nowhere would you realistically see a fight like that happen, you know, where, where guys are literally not using any defense mm. and they're just punching the crap out of each other. You know, it just you have moments in fights like that, but you don't have yeah. entire fights that, that behave that way. And what I really liked in Creed two yeah. is it wasn't just a slugfest for the sake of, you know, making the fight dramatic. It was a slugfest that had some realism attached to it. You know, like Creed was doing damage to Drago and Drago was doing damage to Creed. And he was finding, you know, he, he re-injures the, the, the broken rib. He goes to town on that, you know, like he's using like a strategy, you know, that his father is employing with him. Mm-hmm. And, and that whole moment when, when Adonis drags himself up off the mat with that broken rib, he just starts punching the mat. And he just like gets up and it's just like, it's all hard at that point. Like that was just such a great, mm-hmm. you know, kind of personification of, of really the overall tone of, of the Rocky movies where it's all about the heart of the underdog, you know, just burning through and just yeah. the will to win and the will to survive winning the day over the raw power that you're facing. 
the the reason I have it kind of mm-hmm. low on my list, though, and probably you know I, I would imagine the reason you have it low on yours is I really feel like they missed two opportunities. One of them was the the meeting between Drago and Rocky, because I felt like that conversation could have gone mm-hmm. very it, like if it had been written slightly differently, would have been a lot richer. You know, when you have the two fighters meeting face to face after however was it thirty years, thirty five years. Mm. And the toll that it both took on them, you know, Drago, you know, his name taking, you know, a hit and him losing, you know, his point of prominence in, you know, the the Russian society and culture. But, you know, the fact that they didn't really dig deep into Rocky and the fact that he lost his best friend, you know, and that he lost some of himself in that Mm -hmm. fight. Like, I really felt like they had there was a Mm -hmm. missed opportunity there for the two fighters to kind of come together and realize that, you know, and, and they kind of subtly did it, you know, like Drago asks about, you know, there's no pictures up on the wall of our fight. And Rocky just kind of was like, yeah, I don't have any pictures up of that. You know, like like you can tell like there's a different yeah feeling from him about that fight. Like that fight was not something he's proud of or not something that he, you know, wants to brag about. I wish they dug mm-hmm. in a little deeper. The second missed opportunity is actually an extra cut that they have where Adonis sits down next to Drago's son after the fight and talks about how they both mm-hmm. have suffered and they both can't let one fight define them, you know, like, or let one event define mm-hmm. them. I don't know why they cut it out of the movie. Like, that was the whole point of the freaking movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that, 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 moment, yeah. of for, that moment of forgiveness, that moment of you and I are mm-hmm. more than what our fathers were. You know what I mean? Like, that's really what they mm-hmm. should have had in there. And that's yeah. why I feel like they missed an opportunity there. Yeah. And there's, and there's two things that I'll, I'll go back to that. Let's let's go in reverse order. Or, well, no, let's, yeah, let's reverse order. Uh, so for that scene, to me, that's an example of, of what happens when a studio is making decisions. Yeah. Because Warner Brothers wanted to cut the entire Themyscira bit out of Wonder Woman. Yeah. Which I'm like how the hell do you have that movie without that? Yeah. That's, that's it. That is, that is the, that is kind of like the beginning. That is the, the the heart of the movie where everything comes out of. And then in the original Rocky, that scene after, after Rocky goes to the spectrum and he comes back and Adrian is, is now living with him and he lays down and he does that whole thing. Like, I just want to go the distance. No one's ever done that. I just want to let people know that, you know, I've, you know, that I'm not a bum and this and that and the other. And it's, it's that one scene and it's such, it's such a simple shot. Like, and it just, it just slowly zooms in on Sylvester Stallone the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. They wanted to cut the studio wanted to cut that. Like that's got to go. And they would only give him one shot at it. That was one take. That take is the take that is in the flick. That is the one take they had. And Sylvester Stone was like, that's the movie. Yeah. That's the flick. Yeah. How can you cut that out? And he got him, he like through whatever strong arm tactics he could pull, whatever they could do, they got that, they were able to shoot one take of it. And that's the take that's in the movie. Studios are dumb. <laughs> They are dumb, 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 dumb. Mm-hmm. So yes, I can see I can see how they would cut it because they're dumb, not because it makes sense. Because they're dumb. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, I think part of the reason is that Ryan Coogler was not really involved in this movie 
uh, much. I don't actually. I don't know if he was a producer. Let me let me take a peek here. Anywho, if you want to take a peek at that, but uh, but Ryan Kluger was not uh, who 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 wrote and was a co-writer and a writer and a director on the original Creed was not really involved in this. I'm guessing because he was probably heavily involved with Black Panther or other projects at this point. Um, so I think that that would have dug a little bit more deeper into some of those issues um, because yeah, there's such rich territory there yeah. to dig into that. And, and to, you know, the fact that there's no pictures of that and that it, it almost feels like, well, yeah, that was like blood money sort of thing like i i'm not proud of that because it was totally out of vengeance right that i was doing that and yeah it ended up yeah rocky ended the cold war and i yeah so i brought down the berlin wall and everything that's great except i was doing it from a very impure place in my heart i you know i i think rocky in in some ways was like if he could have like ended drago in the ring and i mean ended like he could have like stopped his heart ended at some point he would have liked to have done that yeah, I think yeah. I think that the Rocky character was that invested in that fight that it became a single combat gladiatory thing. Like one of us is wa- we're both walking in and only one of us is walking out. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, they could have totally gone there, and it would have been great if they had, but they didn't. And and that was kind of the emptiness of four is you know when I watched it with my son when you know we're watching the end of the movie and he wins. You know, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, what has he actually won, though? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yes, he, he beat the guy that killed his friend, but his friend is still gone. You know what I mean? Like, like what what have you really yeah. done at that point? Mm-hmm. You know, there's there, – and I don't mean to make it about, you know, title belts or anything like that, but what is the tangible outcome of what you've just done and why – you know, th- this is the me as an adult versus the me as a teenager when I watched it. When I watched as a teenager, I'm like, yeah, Rocky won. You know, it's like Hogan yeah. wins, you know, sort of thing. <laughs> and as an adult, I'm Drop like watching it leg. like, what the heck did I just watch? <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, great, he beat Drago. What does it mean? <laughs> you know, it's like. I watched Rocky size, you yes. know. It's like aerobic size, but with boxing and punching people in the face yes. and. You know, running but, up a 50,000 foot mountain. But I thought it was really, you know, on, on the surface, it seemed like a bad idea to go into that well of, of Drago. But I really appreciated what they were trying to do there. And, and I think there are a lot of positives to what they were trying to do there because they were they were mm-hmm. digging deeper into a story that didn't have a lot of depth. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Adonis is is facing that question that Rocky faced in Rocky Three about can he face his fears? You know, can yeah. he face the thing that he's afraid of? Mm-hmm. And you know, in in Creed Two, it's it's you know, like like I said, I I really wish it it wasn't all about Ivan Drago and Rocky, but I really wish they had kind of taken a moment to kind of drill into that a little bit. You know, that that here's two guys mm-hmm. who aren't fighting anymore. But are, you know, two warriors who faced each other and both of them came out without, you know, they, they, they didn't come out better afterwards. You know what I mean? Neither of them. Yeah. Did. Mm-hmm. And and to focus on that just a little bit more. Well, in a way, they kind of did. I mean, you see Yvonne, uh, Drago has a better relationship with his kid. You know, Rocky, I mean, well, after we see with Creed, he's still alive. You know, thumbs right. up. I mean, right. you know, 
at least if you're on the right side of the grass, there's progress to be made. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's tough to. Uh, the thing that 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 strikes me with Creed Two is that if Ryan Coogler had been either directing or involved in the writing process, it would have been different. Yeah. Um, because I don't know that. I mean, it's great that Sylvester Stallone was involved because you kind of get the ro- the echoes to Rocky Three and Rocky Four because there's both in here. I mean, it, the idea of the unbeatable foe and then having to face your fears and all that is kind of the Rocky Three Rocky Four arc. But man, I I just have a feeling that if Ryan Coogler had been handed this script mm-hmm. and then had been on the set with with Sylvester Stallone every day, he'd be like, "All right, we got to we got to touch on some things here." Yeah, yeah. Because as a storyteller, I want to know, mm-hmm. you know. And and so the director for this was Stephen Capel Jr. Who Coogler was an executive producer, by the way. Oh, he was okay. So he had, I mean, he had some involvement, but I mean, usually. I mean, there is kind of a fudging of things with executive producers where it's like, hey, I kicked in a bunch of money for this. Yeah. You know, I mean, Kevin Smith was an executive producer on Goodwill Hunting. I think mostly because he he gave like Damon and Affleck a bunch of money and helped them out a little bit. I don't think he actually was like on set like, hey, you know, I think you ought to do some stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if he had been the director, I think there would have been some questions of like, hey, I want to know more about this. Yeah. You know, because I'm just saying that out of the fact that every Ryan Coogler movie that I've seen, dude has got it together in terms of storytelling. Yep. And and so this this didn't there was some definitely some depths to be plumbed here. Yep. And they weren't. How about you, my friend? What are your number uh was it number 6 and number 5? Yes, sir. So at number 6, I had Rocky Balboa, mm-hmm. which is a movie that actually I I I did not like. So when I first really when the trail, well, well. So when the trailer was first released, and they started out with a bump, 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 bump. I'm like, oh, crap! I'm in. Like you start with the the fanfare. I don't care what happens after this. I'm going to see this movie, and I did. <laughs> and it, and at first, there is a bit of wishy washiness in terms of like Rocky because there's times when you get smart Rocky, and then there's times when you get. You know, brain damaged Rocky, and it seems to kind of change willy nilly, yeah. um, and that bothered me a lot when I first watched this flick. However, I've now come around to the fact that I'm like, because uh, at first I would have, I would have like, my first reaction was like, I would rather watch Rocky Five than Rocky Balboa. Mm. That was my original take. I I have now seen the error of my ways, and I would rather watch Rocky Balboa than Rocky Five. Yes. So, however, I will I will give this one bit. There is one bit of Rocky Five that I think that everybody should see, and I will link it in the show notes. It is a deleted scene with Mickey and Rocky, mm. and uh, and you you get to see it from old Rocky's perspective as he's watching his younger self and Mickey. And oh my gosh, if you don't get the tears and then a mm. big smile. You need to check your pulse. I will link that in the show notes. However, uh, Rocky Balboa, good flick. I I do like the. Uh, I mean, oh my gosh, the the friggin' name for the the antagonist in this is a little bit tragic. Mason the Line Dixon. I mean, <laughs> you can't fix stupid. Yeah. Come on now. Come well, on now. And and let's be honest. The the premise is 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 a little little weak right i mean 
Oh well, yeah, it's a, a video simulated game fight. fight on Sports Center is what motivates this entire thing to happen, you know. But at the same time, it actually, it, you know, in a way, it kind of like it, it kind of gives you a glimpse into what social media would be. Yeah, you know that something like this, like a simulation, would drive this whole like, oh my gosh, what's happening? What's happening? What's happening? That sort of thing. So I get kind of that, and maybe that's like part of what has made me kind of accepted as I've tied it into social media through the years. Yeah. Um, again, this is a, this is a Sylvester Stallone joint from beginning to end. He is the writer and the director, and I look at this as like a Rocky Five do-over. Like this is like like you said, like this is what Rocky Five should have been. I'm I'm thinking this is like a Sly saying like, all right, well if you want Rocky to live, this is how it ought to be done. Yeah, and. Yeah. And of course, it happens 16 years after Rocky V, which of course is a is a very nice little you know sorbet kind of palate cleanser, like a decade and a half. Sure, all right, I'll go do another one. Um, I yeah. do appreciate the the way that they shot the fight scenes and everything. Um, I do like the fact that, like you said, the 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 scene in the in the meat in the meat locker, well not meat locker, but like kind of like Polly's office and i'm using yeah. air quotes uh at the meat at the meat company where um you know he's like wait wait you haven't peaked yet <laughs> which i was i was i thought that was one of burt young's greatest lines <laughs> was fan friggin' tastic yes. um but that was one of the great monologues from rocky and then um but then the fact that like Dixon does like he fights through a broken hand and that's the knock on him is that he's soft like right. he's just beating right. up a bunch of guys and that he can't hang with anybody like he couldn't hang with an old school boxer mm -hmm. and he does and I kind of like that and it's it goes back a little bit to I mean uh, again not to two episodes in a row reference a previous episode but um, it goes back to the whole Goldberg McIntyre thing in our Royal Rumble recap mm-hmm in in this movie they earn that like the yeah. dude actually earns the fact that like there's that respect moment uh whereas with like you know goldberg is like what are you earning a free you know free whopper at burger king awesome yeah. that's nice yeah. um you you beat goldberg good for you get a large fry instead of a medium i just i i i've come around to appreciating this and maybe it's the fact that i've kind of gotten older as well the fact that i've come to appreciate the fact that uh, the way that Rocky ages. So I, I, that could be part of it, but I've come to appreciate this movie a little bit more. And then no, at number five, we have Rocky four. Okay. Oh, can, can I which, say one more thing? Yeah, go right just, ahead. Uh, no, just, I, I want to get your thoughts. What did you think about how the fight ended? Cause I, I didn't really touch on this when I talked about Balboa, but I love that end sequence when they're both just like, just punching at each other. Yes. Like, like, like it's just like both of them are just like hitting each other just non-discriminately. It's just like bang, 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 bang. And then the bell hits and it's just like it's over at that point. I thought that was such a great ending. Just have them both go out just beating the tar out of each other. And then it's just like respect. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, and then the thing is, like, because as you say, like, I'm not going to the movies to see a realistic fight. Yes. Like, when right. the entire gestation of, of Rocky was, like, Sylvester Stallone going to see, like, a, a what was it, a closed circuit or whatever they called it back in the day. Like, you could go to your movie theater and they would broadcast the feed into a theater or something. Like that. And he went to see a fight and he's like, if I could get people to feel about this fight, about this movie, like they do about this fight. Man, I got something. And you're not going to see realism. It's the same reason why, you know, like I can't quite explain it to my wife 
why I enjoy watching professional wrestling to this day. Yeah. Even though I'm not I'm not watching it every week, like three shows a week or anything. Every couple months, I like tuning in and just seeing how the McMahons are messing up professional wrestling for the rest of the world. Right. Um, and again, there's a bit of that contrarian nature that digs in like, oh, yes. And all the AEW people are like, <laughs> I, I love that. I feed off of it. I don't know why, but I do. And I, I hate myself for it and love myself for it at the same time. But um, But this idea that... You're not going to see like a realistic fight. You can go see realistic fights everywhere. Right. Right. You're going to see like taken to an extreme and this idea of two guys just like as you were saying before like this is so not realistic that either fighter would be using no defense whatsoever, right. not trying to protect themselves. They're just punching the living crap out of each other. Yeah. Yep. That's what we go to see the movie for, though. You I know? know, I mean, I it's know. like, but but the fact is, it's derivative of like the idea of what Rocky does, especially in Rocky Two, is derivative of like Muhammad Ali's like rope a dope, mm -hmm. like go ahead, take out your aggression, and I'll tire you out. And at that point, then I'm gonna start throwing my real stuff. Yeah, and. Yep. So I love that. But yeah, I, I, I do like how it just, yeah, they just are teeing off on each other. And then at the end, just like the fact that Rocky is kind of like the celebrated one, even though like technically, I mean, it's an exhibition. So right. there's no, t okay. there's no like chance of a title change taking place, but he's the winner, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it's, I, 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 I really do. I, how many years later I will still get up off my couch and be like, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I can't help myself. Yeah. It's reflexive. It's right there in like the in, in the spleen in the human spirit. Oh, it's Stallone beautiful. has cornered the market on getting us to to to, to get off out of our uh, off our duffs and stand up and be like, yeah. Well, again, and and Stallone was the director and the writer on this. It's yeah. his baby, and yeah. at, at, when he first brought it out, I was like. Ooh, is an ugly baby. Like one of those people who show you, like, hey, you want to see pictures of my kid? You're like, oh, good God. <laughs> is that an alien autopsy photo? And, oh. you know, uh, you know, it's a lovely kid, lovely kid. Ooh. You know, but. monster movie. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but now I kind of appreciate it. And I kind of attribute that to, you know, mellowing, mellowing with age, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yes. So what do you got for your next two here, sir? Number four and number three. Uh, so number four for me is Rocky II. Um, Sacrilege! Oh, come on now. Uh, oh, no, no. I will, I'll fight you to the hilt on this one. The, well, th th this was tough. I, I could go interchangeable with these two. My, 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 my top two will, will, will be rock solid, but these two could, could be swapped uh, amongst each other. So number four is Rocky II. Number three is Creed. I put Rocky II mm. where I did... Um, it's a solid flick. It, it is. It is a good sequel. I really enjoyed it. I, I think part of my reason for putting Creed at three was I feel like Creed, and so Creed, which is really Adonis Creed one and Rocky one, are uniquely unto themselves mm -hmm. great movies establishing these characters. And I love the fact, especially in Creed, that. It's not all about the world heavyweight title at that point. He's just going for this this middleweight or this lightweight championship. It's the same basic story mm -hmm. where he doesn't win, but he earns respect. You know what I mean? And 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 mm -hmm. the 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 journey he goes through to getting to that point. 
fighting through, you know, just this this anger and this angst of being this castaway or or this 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 child that has never really found a home kind of thing. Mm. Um I felt was 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 a a different yeah. take and a timely take on what that character was going through. I felt like Rocky's story was appropriate and made sense back in the 70s when it was told and this was a good story to be told for the 20 you know for for the for the 2000 was it the 2000s or 2010s I forget when Creed came out uh it'd be 2010 because Creed was 2015 so you know I just felt like like it was it, it was a rough call between two Rocky 2 is a classic I mean it's it, you know we talked about that that whole sequence with Tony Burton great great sequence where he's just like we don't want this guy again <laughs> I just love it. Yeah. Like he's, he's all, all wrong, wrong for us, baby. For us, baby. <laughs> I love it. Um, oh, but, it's but, so good. But, and but, then showing Apollo, like, like, like just kind of completely going over him and like all yeah. business. Well, like and, not and, paying attention to like, here's the dude who's like the fight guy. I know. This is the guy who gets you ready for the fights. And you're like, oh, no, no, no. It's all business. And I love the scene from Apollo's home where he's reading the fan mail. Like, why would you mm. let this chump go 15 rounds with you? Like, why would you let, like, the fact that he has, like, like his his respect and his persona has taken a hit because of this fight. And just after he reads the mail, he just, like, tosses it in the air and walks away from his wife. <laughs> you know, just like, this is ridiculous. Well, dude, and, and then at the end of Rocky 1, where, like, they're, they're like, they're clinching up. And he's like, yep. there ain't going to be no rematch. Yep. I, I oh my gosh and but then at the beginning of Rocky two they they managed to like oh kind of undo that like oh at the hospital Apollo's mind has changed yep <laughs> the best scene from Rocky two for me uh, and why I have it in kind of the top four here I love Burgess Meredith as Mickey mm, and when he's yes. in the chapel in the in the hospital and he's he's talking to oh Rocky, yes and he's like Rock. I don't mean to use language like this in a holy place, but you're a hell of a better fighter. <laughs> a hell of a fighter. <laughs> why don't you fight it? Why don't you fight this guy tough like he did the first time? That was beautiful. I know, I know. It was just oh. Burgess Meredith. Just you know, you, oh, you have so Mark good. Hamill as Luke Skywalker. You have ha- Harrison mm-hmm. Ford as Han Solo. Burgess Meredith is Mickey. I mean, you, you, no one else could play Mickey ever. You know what I mean? No, he just made that no. role his own. And and it was just such yes. such a fantastic performance in that movie. The the fact they were using you know the 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 pregnancy of of Adrian and just you know what she was going through as you know a, a, just another kind of roadblock for him to training and and just you know putting another kind of roadblock mm-hmm. in 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 front of him in terms of being able to attain what he does. But I love the fact that that the ending of the movie does give him the heavyweight championship. You know, he 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 is now the guy who shouldn't have gone as far as he did, but he finally does and he wins. You know, I I, I thought that was just just mm-hmm. a great story, a great ending to the sequel. I love the way they did the count out where they both go down in the 15th round and it's just like who's going to get up first? <laughs> you know, it's like they're both exhausted at that mm-hmm. point. Um just yeah. a great story overall. I put Creed above it. I, I just I thought it was a great origin story. I, I appreciated the fact that it wasn't entirely derivative of Rocky, though. I mean, we we didn't get the dun, 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 you know we didn't get that moment in the movie. It was 
you know, Adonis had his training montage, but it was really like his own style and, and for him, you know, mm. it, it was definitely a separation from Rocky to being, you know, Adonis's time and, and him being, you know, really the, the main character and the driver of this franchise. And, uh, and, and so I, I just, I, mm-hmm. I like the story and you and I were texting or talking about it. Um, I don't know if I figured we were talking about it last week or not, but you know, just that moment when he, he, he just tells Rocky, like, you know, I, I, I want to prove that I'm not a mistake, you know? And, and the look on yes. Rocky's face when that happens, like, like Rocky's been there, understands it, knows it. And he's like, all right, kid, here we go. <laughs> you know, it's like, like that yeah. was such yes. a great way to draw on the history of the franchise to establish this new protagonist that's going to now take the reins from Rocky and, and be the one who moves forward. And so I, I had to put Creed a little bit ahead of it because I felt like both both Creed and when we get to our number one and number two, you know, R- Rocky are, are just they, – they have to be close in quality because I, I really feel like they're just really just solid movies all around. So – uh, so that's where I am. Rocky two at number four and Creed at number three. How about you, sir? Okay, so at number four, I've got Rocky three, which to me is it's it's kind of the the kind of the the pivot point for Rocky because at this point it's all it, it, it's the one two have been all about Apollo, yeah, and now you've got you know he's conquered you know Apollo Creed, and now he's got this other dude who's come up, who is just kind of following on the same footsteps as he has, but damn, he's meaner. Mm-hmm. And and Mr. T, at that point, did a damn good job of like portraying someone who's like, you want mean? Uh, I predict pain. You know, I mean, oh my good Lord, you believed it. Prediction. Pain. <laughs> yeah. And you believed it coming from Mr. T. And you know what? You ought to predict it coming from Mr. T because Mr. Oh. T started out as a bouncer. Yes. This is a dude who just beat people up and, and tossed people out for a living. Mm-hmm. And so the whole origin story of his, like, his chains and stuff mm-hmm. is that he would, he would like, the stuff that got taken off of people who got tossed out of the club that he was working at, he would wear it. So that people could come up mm-hmm. and then not have to like go inside to face the shame of like retrieving their gold chain. That's how like the Mr. T set started. Wow. Good That's sweet funny. Moses. And of course, uh, you know, we get the 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 debut of Thunderlips, baby. Hulk Hogan. Hogan. Which I mean, oh my gosh, that was such a fun way to bring like the beginning of it when he, it's like it's 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 so like working kayfabe. Yes, and uh, but yet then like uh, kind of like almost giving you a glimpse into it because at the end he's like, hey, can I get a couple pictures? And like it's so close to like breaking the kayfabe. Yes. It's fan freaking tastic. I always I love, love the beginning of that match where he's just kind of throwing some jabs at his midsection. And he's like, Oh, you want yeah. me to do this a couple times? You know, like just kind of yep. playing up the fakeness of wrestling. And then it's like, <laughs> and then he just haul, yeah. and then Hogan just hauls off and just whacks Stallone in the back. I love it. 
Yes, and I. So the funny thing is, like, I always think about uh, Richard Pryor talking about he was he was a uh, apparently Richard Pryor like when he was younger he was like in Golden Gloves like boxer, ah. and he he did like a charity match with Muhammad Ali, which again one of those wow. deals like with me like like with Shayna Baszler. I don't care if you think I'm a coward. I'm I'm scared to take a, pain, a punch from that woman because. I don't know if it's coming for real or for mm-hmm. not, mm-hmm. Um, but apparently, like Richard Pryor tells this story of like you know he's like you know when Ali's throwing a punch, it's so fast you don't see it coming, you just see it coming back. Yeah. yeah. So you like see the punch that's going back after he's thrown it. You're like, oh good. He's like, he does know this isn't Frazier, right? <laughs> 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 you know, that's all I think of when I'm I'm seeing that opening match. But of course, the whole thing with Mickey and and then of course the. The eye of the tiger thing with with Apollo, yeah, and 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 taking him out of his environment of, of Philadelphia, which you've kind of like Philadelphia became a full fledged character mm-hmm. in in the Rocky series up until this point, and then you take him to Los Angeles. Los Angeles is what's happening. Yeah, and then you take him out of that element, and you take him to this place, and Apollo's training him, and all this. Man, it, it's such a great flick uh, in terms of that that arc of the character of like, okay, now now Rocky is the fish out of water. Yeah, you know, sort of thing. In addition to being the underdog. Yeah, and it, it does a great job of 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 amping up of of amping up those stakes but doing it in a logical way instead of just like well we're doing it because we're doing it and and also addressing you know what hasn't been addressed in any of the prior rocky movies in one and two which is the fact that he's dealing with all of this fear he's dealing with you know the big the the big event that happens in this movie is is the death of mickey and now he mm-hmm. has to move forward without his trainer, and he doesn't know how. And the fear yeah. that he feels well, but, in terms of not knowing if he can beat this guy, this 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 unknown that exists for him. You know, I, I mean, I'm kind of getting ahead a little bit with with you know my picks, but th- this is one of the reasons why this movie is is as highly rated as I put it. Is I just feel it's it it it, it to me, not that one and two aren't solid, but three for me was just the complete just such a complete movie all around, you know, just, it brings everything together from mm-hmm. the Rocky movies. I just feel like it's this nexus point of just, I don't want to say perfection, but it's just such a complete story the way it's told. And, and, and it's interesting because, you know, normally with a fighter, you know, in one and two, you don't see Rocky really dealing with fear when it comes to Apollo. It's just about believing in himself and here it's like I've been pummeled by this guy. Mm. I don't have my trainer anymore. What the heck am I doing here? You know, I mean that that was I just thought that was just such yeah. a genuine and real moment that Stallone was trying to kind of use to tell the story. Now are you talking about Nexus Point or are you talking about Nexus, the medication commercial from WandaVision episode seven? I might be trying to weave a little wand into this. Oh, look at you. Look at you. Subtle. Oh, you just And Sabi. <laughs> Much like the whiskey that he drinks. Ah, All right. Uh, so, so next, I believe I was on five. Yes, you were. Was no, no, I was on four. I'm sorry. So I was on four. That was Rocky three, and then uh, number three for me is Creed. Which ah, so we agree. Yes, I we we have lined up a couple times because uh, you had Rocky Balboa at six, yep. which was also my six pick, yep. and then we also agree at Creed mm-hmm. at number three, uh, which actually is funny because in Rocky one he does talk about a Creed 
in three, which is a knockout for Apollo Creed in three. So we have a Creed <laughs> in three. We did not. I, I did not realize that until 20 seconds ago. It was kismet. So, kismet, yes, and maybe coincidence or something. Or maybe it was just gas. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> That's always a possibility with us. It, well, pretty much, yeah. Woo! So Creed, to me, I uh, man, I love this flick. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love this flick. Watched it the other night and was just blown away by how good it was, how good Michael uh, B. Jordan was in it, how good Tessa Thompson was in it, yep. how good – how how does Sylvester Stallone not get – I can understand how Michael B. Jordan didn't get a, a – uh, best actor Oscar for this. I can get it because it's a it's a boxing movie and this and that and the other and blah 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 blah. blah. I think he should have. However, how does Sylvester Stallone not get a best supporting actor Oscar for this movie? It's a he great... was amazing. He did get a Golden Globe. He did, but still, he should have gotten all the awards. Yeah. Because the background, of course, is that he didn't want to do this flick. Yeah. And that, and that, in a way, this was kind of healing because, I mean, his son had passed away. I mean, good God. I yeah. mean, ah, it's it, it just a, that whole backstory for it to me is like is so incredible. But but Ryan Coogler does such a great. I mean, just the opening, just the opening. Mm-hmm. You got the little kid fighting in lockup, and then and then Felicia Rashad, ladies and gentlemen, Mrs. Huxtable, Salud. for those of us of a certain age, who you know, just acting her ass off. Mm-hmm. If there was a if it was a best supporting supporting, it should have been Felicia Rashad. She was amazing <laughs> in this flick. Just, I loved every second she was on screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and then just kind of coming up to you know you know who is my father and then they just put up the creed and I'm like oh come on yeah and and just going into like his first you know the 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 fight they showed in Mexico and just everything ah, I cannot find a fault with this movie Not wasn't this one. wasn't this flick the one where when they did the fights they did like one of them with a continuously streaming shot. Yes. Right. Well, it, it was. There was. Uh, they were done. Almost. It, it. It was almost seamless. But there were. There was cuts. But it was. It was so. It was seamlessly done. Yeah. Yeah. The, and the, and that's why to me this is like I I find these are the, some of the best fight scenes in Rocky. Mm-hmm. I I love these scenes. Uh, the uh, like the um um crap. I can't remember the dude who, Leo. Whatever the lion. Blah blah blah. The first fight that yeah, uh, that, yeah. that Adonis has that's like a legit fight, and then you know, then the final fight, of course, against pretty Ricky Ricky Connolly, who is you know the same sort of deal. Like it just goes around and around, and it's so fluid, yeah. and it's it's a natural progression from Rocky Balboa because they started that kind of thing there, but then it was like, oh, and now we can do it, you yeah. know, sort of thing. Yeah. The thing that I love, and the thing that we will that doesn't get enough credit, which honestly shouldn't get enough credit because we haven't gotten kind of to that point, uh, is the the score. Mm. Because, of course, Rocky is so reliant on music. Like, Rocky Balboa sold me on the... And I, mean, I, I was like, yeah, I'm in. Whatever. I'll run through a wall to that, to that theme. Whatever it is, you know, set me up and I'll go. Like you said, that you don't get the Rocky theme 
it's all Adonis and it's right. all about Adonis. And even like even through the whole flick, like Rocky is kind of he's the wise fool. You know, he is he he he's you know, that whole thing where like, you know, Adonis takes the the picture of his workout regimen. He's like, oh, it's in the cloud. And Rocky's like, what cloud? You know, sort of thing. And you like you play it for laughs. But at the same time, you're like, this dude is really freaking old. He's not going to know what the cloud is. The cloud isn't a thing to him. You know, (laughs) the cloud is barely a thing to me. And I work with technology all day. You know, it's okay. It's all right. But this and and the idea that, you know, you're playing this idea of, of Rocky as the older dude. Mm-hmm. And then Adonis is the new breed and coming on and oh, it's just so well played. You know, the fact that they 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 kind of mix those old school and new school and 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 when you bring them together, it's just this magic. And the fact that when you get to a point where they're going through the whole fight, the final fight against uh, pretty Ricky, which uh, again is the thing that that was kind of rough in Rocky Balboa, and I remember this moment specifically, is that you know Max Kellerman, who is in both Rocky Balboa and then uh, Creed, and Creed too, I one think. Of, he is okay. I think he's in you know, Creed too. Because there's not that many uh, great boxing commentators at this point, and Max yeah. Kellerman just needs to get work. Which God bless him, you know, he can pay whatever bills he has. So, uh, you know, but in Rocky Balboa, they talk about like, oh, Rocky talked to me, or he said hi to me, or something like that. But they don't do that necessarily in 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 Creed. Yeah. But you go through the whole fight, and I didn't realize it. The restraint. And, and they do this in James Bond, uh, Casino Royale, when they kind of unofficially sort of rebooted James Bond. And like, hey, by the mm. way, uh, it's, it's not the James Bond that you always knew. And they wait until they give you the James Bond theme until like three quarters of the way through the movie. In, in Creed, they don't give you any Rocky music at all. And Rocky music is, is incredibly iconic. Yeah. You know, like the, the, the Rocky, you know, fanfare, they're going to fly now. You know, Eye of the Tiger, even if you want to get into, like, um, whatever the crap the song was in Rocky Four that he trained to. I mean, you know, whatever it is. Uh, uh, they wait until, like, the 12th round. And that moment in the corner when you were talking about, like, how he has to prove that I'm not a mistake. And it, you can see, because Rocky's going to stop the fight. Yeah. Yeah. Rocky's like, I'm going to stop this fight because you know what? I can't lose two creeds. I can't lose two creeds. Yep. One was enough. I ain't losing two. And he comes out with that, and Rocky's like, it clicks. Yep. This is where I was at, and I got to do this. And he tells him, and that's when you kind of get this final shift into like, Rocky has kind of been the Mickey character for a couple movies. Mm-hmm. But here's where it finally clicks. Yep. And oh my gosh, when he's like, Look at me. I never got a chance to thank Apollo for helping me out after Mickey died. But it's nothing compared to what you've done. You taught me how to fight again. And I'm going to go home and I'm going to fight this thing. But if I fight, I want you to fight too. I want you to go across this ring and knock that son of a bitch down. Can you do it? Say it. I'm going to knock that son of a bitch down. I know you are. You know why? Because you're a creed, and I love you, kid. You're going to do this to me now. I'm going to start weeping. I'm going to start weeping in my living room. And then Creed, and then Donna stands up, and you get the... 
And it and it's earned. Yep. That's the thing. It's earned at that moment. And I at that point I'm like, oh, he better knock this mofo out. <laughs> I I he better go across this ring and knock him down. Mm-hmm. And oh my gosh, it's so friggin' good. Yep. It is easily the third best Rocky movie. I would actually say it is it is in contention for the second spot. Mm-hmm. It is in the conversation. I have I I uh, regretfully have to kind of bring it down to third, but uh, it's it's right there for second. Yeah. Yeah. So who do you got for 2 and 1 here, sir? So, in number 2, um and I know this will be shocking. N- number 2 will be the original Rocky. Um I Sacrilege. I I will explain why, but th- this this movie is is a classic. You know, watching it now at, 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 you know, 45, 46 years old, I really love the fact that it has a lot of the tone and style from just, you know, cinema from the 70s. Like, there's just these long shots Mm. of just Philadelphia and, you know, him training and, you know, there's just a pacing to it that you just don't see anymore. You know, like like when you watch Rocky One, it is such a microcosm of that time. You know what I mean? Can I ask you a question here? Yes, sir. So do you do you kind of equate like the 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 moments there with like character moments from Battlestar Galactica? Yeah, equating that to what I just said. You mean? Yeah, like those those long shots of Philadelphia, like the the slower pacing. Do you kind of equate that with what? Battle, what made Battlestar Galactica so uh, kind of a, a a a great series for for us? Yes, yeah, yeah. Because because I mean I I think like, you know like you said it you said it really well when you said like Philadelphia is in and of itself a character in in these movies. You know that mm. he's he's a product of this of this city and he's you know scraping by to survive and it just helps to kind of define the character that that rocky is you know that that he's just this mm. like you you know you said he's this tomato can you know uh second class kind of kind of pugilist who is fighting these these garbage fights just to kind of scrape a living and he gets this once in a lifetime opportunity from the world heavyweight champion and and this is where of course dude so so uh, uh, do you love the fact that in 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 Rocky Balboa, they bring back Spider Rico. Do you? I mean, yes. Oh, that yeah. was so great. No, I, 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 yeah, that, and you know, because it just continues to to underscore the humanity of Rocky. That that you know, he he mm. is more than just being this fighter. That he is this human being who cares about the people from his past, regardless of the fact that you know Spider was you know trying to pummel the garbage out of him in the ring. <laughs> you know, it was like. Mm. Yeah, um, but but I love the I love the fact that in 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 Rocky Balboa, like Sp- he, like he isn't asking Spider to wash any dishes. He's like perfectly content to like just give him some like you know yep. you know yep. ling- you know some Alfredo and just call it a day. And like Spider's like, no, you know Jesus per- you know says that I have to do this, and he's like, all right, okay, well, yeah. if Jesus says, I guess yes. you know whatever. But who am I to argue with our Lord and Savior? You know, I guess absolutely. <laughs> it's, um, it's it's so great. Like the the Rocky world is so great like his his kind of ethics like all right yeah yeah (laughs) if if, okay sure why not and 
you know, Rocky one is just such a raw movie. Like, like the, mm. the word raw keeps coming to mind. You know, the, the opening fight with Spider Rico. Did you fight last night? Yeah. Did you win? Yeah, I won K one of sex. Yeah, who'd you fight? Spider Rico. <laughs> He's a bum. The way he trains. You think everybody I fight is a bum? Well, ain't they? You know, honestly, Rocky one was not the first movie of the Rocky series that I saw. It was Rocky three. So I was mm-hmm. actually kind of taken aback when I watched Rocky one because I was, I was so used to the pace of three because I'd watched three a few times. Three was just such a fun movie for me to watch, and and it was mm-hmm. such a rapid pace and, and a high pace you know high action kind of movie when it came to the matches. So when I watched Rocky one, it was just this complete shift to a totally different pace, totally different tone, and it was a little foreign at first, you know, and, and, and there was a part of me that was like, Oh, I don't know mm-hmm. if I like this, but over time and with some maturity, it's like you watch it and it's like, this is just a classic story being told, you know, this, the, the time that's taken to kind of establish, you know, three quarters of the movie is really just about establishing how down on his luck Rocky is. You know what you are? What? Tomato. You know, the, the whole th- sequence that happens where mm. he loses his locker and, and Mickey's gym, you know, like, and how that's a big deal. Yes. Oh um, my gosh. Yeah. I dig your locker, man. You know, there, there's that, mm-hmm. and then you know, just just the scenes with Apollo Creed, and and I love, you know, and of course that's where the classic, you know, Uncle Todd quote comes from. Uh, I'll I'll cue you up to do it. Go for it. Apollo Creed versus the Italian Stallion is like a damn monster movie. <laughs> It, it is because the thing is like that's and and that is like one of the best scenes in that flick mm-hmm. in in terms of if you know the story of the the movie and and where it sits in American culture because that is a scene that should have been a nothing scene yep. it should have been cut yep. it should have really been cut because all of those scenes that were that were filmed in a, in a whatever that promoter's office were promote were filmed in like this weird like kind of film set and they had the the roll down like you know here hey here's New York or Philadelphia or wherever yep. and they roll down the the outside the windows scene and it should have been so cheesy but damn it like someone like Carl Weathers elevating it, someone like you know, uh, like Burton elevating, it. like the guy who played the boxing promoter elevating it, it turned into something that was more than what it should have been, which is the right. Rocky story. Yep. It's the entire Rocky story, which is the, is one of those things where it's like the beautiful part of the movie is the fact that it the 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 movie is actually the story of the movie. Yeah, you know, yeah. Rocky was an underdog story just as a movie before you even you even saw the movie itself yep. and let's not forget the classic mickey burgess meredith infused line when he uses chickens to train him if oh, you can yes. catch a chicken you can eat thunder and crap lightning kid <laughs> yeah well actually was it that or was it or was it a no that was in rocky too Oh, was that too? Because I think oh, Rocky, man. Rocky one was like, you know, you know, you catch a chicken, you know, you're a very dangerous individual. And then he was like, he's in Rocky two. He was like, you'll be like an Italian tank. You'll be a very, very dangerous individual. <laughs> I think, <laughs> if I have my Rocky lore correct, 
I Which think is it's one 50/50. where he said, like, like that, that line just stuck out to me. It's just like, you're going to eat thunder and you're going to crap lightning, kid. <laughs> could be. Could be. <laughs> but uh, The but first yeah. two get very confusing for me. Yes. Yeah. So, but, but, you know, Rocky is just that classic story about, you know, the underdog. And, and it wasn't about mm. winning the match. As you, you know, you already talked yes. about the scene where he's. You know, he, he after visiting the Philadelphia Spectrum and seeing what he's about to walk into and just coming back and saying, you know what? No one's ever taken Creed the distance. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to that's how I want to prove mm-hmm. myself is by simply taking him the distance. I don't need to win. You know, and, and it's not that he's downplaying mm-hmm. victory, but it's just saying if I can go the distance with this guy that no one's ever done before, that is what people are gonna remember. You know, it goes back to that tin cup thing we talked about yeah. from a couple episodes ago when he takes that shot on the 18th hole. No one's going to remember that I won the championship, yes. but they're going to remember that chip that goes right into the hole and and what that shot is. And yeah. and I I just so Oh dude, and hey, so hey, 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 hang on. Don't 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 like downplay that. That wasn't a chip. That was a shot from like 200 yards out. Fair that was a that was a that was a that wasn't just a chip into the into the cup. That Fair was enough. a couple hundred yard. That was like a three wood out. Thank you for correcting. I just I don't want you to downplay the legacy of one Roy McAvoy. Amen. Tremendous ball striker out of out of West Texas. <laughs> Famous t- throughout Waffle Houses all throughout the South. Uncle apparently. Todd is up on his uh, tin cup uh, lore. Thank you. Uh, and finally, I need to uh, that. departing from the original, uh, which is a classic unto itself at number two, my number one, and, and, it, and it's number one because it was the first, this was my first exposure to the Rocky franchise. And I watched this movie so many times before really delving into the to, to one and two and before I saw four was Rocky three. So Rocky three for me was kind of the beginning. Rocky three for me, though, was such a great story. You know, the, the, the story of, of the champion who has forgotten where he's come from, who has lost some of his mm. edge and, and lost that, that fire within him was such a great story. And the fact that it kind of, you know, when I first saw this movie, I didn't have the history of one and two with Apollo Creed and Rocky. But knowing a little bit from the beginning of the movie where you, you understand that they faced each other and understanding they were they were combatants at one point, you know, enemies, if you will. And the fact that, you know, once Mickey dies and how Creed kind of steps in as his as his manager and as his trainer was just such a cool concept. Mm-hmm. The, the, the fact that they that, that these once bitter enemies could become allies. And and I love that line from Apollo Creed when he's trying mm-hmm. to convince Rocky to, to fight clubber lang for a second time and he's like maybe we could win it all together you know like like just just you you know that that idea that Mm. the two of them combined could win the championship together was just such a great message and such a great you know sort of uh you know story of of these two guys who you thought were bitter enemies and they come together in this way and at the same time it kind of comes back to like what we had talked about with like mick foley in terms of like, hey, we can we can both make it. We can both make each other. Yeah, you know, we can both get over. Yes, and 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 that idea of like, it, man, drama is just one step away from professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. Really, really, it's this idea of like, hey, we can get there together. Like, Apollo's like, I know my time has passed. Yeah, yeah, but 
you know, in your corner, I think you might have enough to get through here, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I love that idea, dude. That's a great, great pull on that one. Well, and and, and I love the training montages. Um, you, you know, when Rocky finally turns the corner and, and casts off his fears and throws himself fully into the mm. training and just the way that all kind of comes together and then just the pacing – of both Clubber Lang matches, you know, where the the one where Rocky gets soundly beaten and the one where he comes back and employs everything that Apollo has taught him was just such, you know, I mean, both those fights were just amazing. Now, are they realistic? Probably not. I mean, when you watch the, the no. second Rocky Clubber Lang match, I mean, there's so much punching going on. There's like zero defense. You know what I mean? It's like it is not a, a, even yeah. close to being a true boxing match. But as we've said, this is entertainment and we're not here for a true box, boxing match. But, but man, did they do such mm-hmm. a great job with, with Rocky's defeat? I mean, just the, 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 the mauling that Lang does. I mean, we've never seen Rocky lose mm-hmm. in a movie until Rocky Three. You know what I mean? I mean, sorry, he yeah. lost in Rocky one, but not yeah. by a knockout. You know what I mean? Like he gets mauled, he gets brutalized by Clubber Lang, and and yeah. I remember watching it and just yeah. being shocked by it. Like it's like this is the hero. How is he losing? You know, um, but Mister mm-hmm. T is just fantastic, and I love at the end of that first match too when he's cl- when he's crowned champion and he's on the shoulders of his trainer. And he's like. Uh, uh. <laughs> you know, he's just making this like yeah he's just healing it up to, to the utmost it's just so awesome oh totally mr t is the unsung hero of that of that movie so many links to professional wrestling in that i mean oh, yeah. he was totally just trying to be the heel oh you know it, oh my gosh it, it was it was a, a great rocky movie just in general and the great I mean, phrase without, from without that movie, question. The great phrase from that movie. This is mm-hmm. like especially at the end when when Apollo reveals what what Rocky owes him and it's this like, you know, exhibition match mm. just the two of them with no press or anyone. And he's like, this is mental irregular. <laughs> I love that phrase. Yes. This is mental irregular. <laughs> you know what I love is the fact that in in Creed, yeah. that effe- that you find out that Apollo was 2 and 1 against Rocky mm-hmm. because it it totally makes sense because you you look at that and you're like if Rocky had fought that fight 10 times out of 10 yeah. it would have been one and ten, one and nine yeah yeah and and it lends into that into that underdog theory like you look at like the couple of examples that we that I cited in the intro mm-hmm. like Patriots versus Rams yep. you know USA versus versus Russia in 1980. You take that 10 times out of 10, you might get one. Right. Maybe right. two, but right. mostly just one. Yeah. All it takes, though, is one in a one and done kind of thing. You know, I, I love that. I love that idea. I love that idea that, that Rocky was like, well, you know, of course, you know, Apollo won because yeah. he was the best. Yeah. You know, I just managed to get him the one time that I could. And oh man, it, it turns into like almost the Ocean's Eleven, like you know, until you get that perfect hand, and then you bet the house, and you manage to win. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I absolutely love that. So my number two, Rocky. My number one, Rocky three. What about you, sir? To me, the Rocky one and Rocky two are like Godfather one and Godfather two. There is there is very little separation between the two. I can um, see. And I am a I'm a 
there's a lot of folks who like Godfather 2 instead of Godfather 1. Mm-hmm. They will put uh, the 2 instead of 1 as their top pick. I am a traditionalist. I, I appreciate Rocky 1 and then Rocky 2 in that order. And and forevermore, I've, I think I've lived enough years at this point that um, that isn't going to change. Yep. Uh, it, because as soon as I, uh, much like the same way that I hear uh, the beginning of of Godfather when you know when the the uh, the Undertaker is like I love America, and this and that and the other, I I just as soon as that point I'm like I'm in. Yep. I'm in. Whatever whatever you're gonna say next, I'm in for the next three hours. I've got you got me. Um, you know what I love at the beginning like, of Rocky Three, just real quick. Yeah, go ahead. I love the I I love how in Rocky Two and in Rocky Three, oh I guess in in Four as well, and Five, that they have the announcers, <laughs> you know, like 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 they always kind of cut in the prior fight. And, yes. and I love in Rocky yeah. Three, it's like it's Creed, it's Balboa, it's Creed, it's Balboa. I mean, it's just like it's fantastic. Yes. And then you're like you said, you're just like drawn in. You know, I mean, you're you're in at that point. Yeah. And so I love that part of, of Rocky two that essentially like, it's like almost like, Hey, if you didn't see the first Rocky here, let me replay the most important part of Rocky and, and gives you a rewind of the last, you know, culmination of Rocky. And then you, you then over the credits, you get the trip to the hospital, which as any rational person would know like yeah these two human beings are going to the hospital yeah. because they have endured more beating than most people would endure in an entire lifetime within about two and a half hours and so i i just i love that part rocky 2 again like you talked about when uh, you know mickey's in the chapel you know <laughs> Get him and fight this guy. It would be beautiful. It's oh, it's great. And Classic and the entire Mickey. idea, the entire idea of like going right-handed instead of southpaw. Yeah. And then and then holding off on the switch. And and the fact that like Mickey wants him to switch and Rocky is like, no, no, wait, wait. And then at some point you get like Ricky Mickey over there, like, no, no, no. And he just and all of a sudden he's just hauling off with these left-handed hooks. Yep. It's just oh, it's so great. Yep. And it's but the fact is, like, it's a culmination of what began in Rocky. You don't get the exaltation of Rocky two without Rocky one. Right. And and oh my gosh, I, I just can't separate the two. And Rocky one or or, or or Rocky, I guess you could more properly call it, is probably one of the greatest screenplays movies I think ever made. Agreed. For what it is, you can't get better than this. You know, and especially that scene that I talked about where, you know, the scene that the the, the studio because they have a complete lack of like brain cells wanted to cut of of like you know I just want to take him the distance because Rocky doesn't and, and, and the fact is Rocky doesn't aspire to win the title like they bring him in they're like we want you to fight for the title and he's like he turns it down Rocky turns down the opportunity to fight for the for the heavyweight title yep because he doesn't believe he's worthy of it right Right. But the thing is, and here's what to me is is becomes transcendent. And there's only there's only one, maybe two 
Rocky movies that are transcendent, mm-hmm. meaning they, they transcend the medium of film and, and go beyond that. I would say Rocky and maybe Creed yep. achieve this because there's all points in our life where we know we could have or we might take that jump, but we shy away from it because we're scared of the defeat. Yep. And that just speaks to the human condition. Oh, my gosh. When he does that, it cuts to your core because you're like, no, do it. But you're at the same time, you're in your in your inner self. You're like, I might have said that. Yeah. And, and that's where to to me, like Sylvester Stallone is one of the greatest screenwriters of all time. It, it, whatever you want to say about Rocky Five or whatever, Rocky Four or whatever, dude can write a screenplay because he wrote Rocky. Period. The end. Amen. And you know, like Rocky Two is is great. Like it, finally, he he climbs the mountain. You get all those great moments. But Rocky, man, there's so many freaking just amazing character moments in that and it is it's like Battlestar Galactica like they just they stretch those moments like the moments after like you know like he gets out of the car where him and Gazo were talking and then he gets out and Gazo you know kind of reams him out a little bit for not you know like breaking the guy's thumbs or whatever and then he walks off and they get you get like a good 20-30 seconds a minute of like Rocky just walking up the street yeah like this dun 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 like on piano like just so sparse it's all character building like it gives you a moment to sit with the fact that like dude this guy is a loser right (laughs) he just can't freaking win i don't know how you get better than that the the the, the end of the mat at the end of the movie you get to a point where this guy has achieved his goal of like you know what i know i can't beat this guy if I can just take him wherever someone else hasn't, I have achieved my goal. It is so great. And then just, of course, everything that Burgess Meredith does. I mean, Burgess Meredith, what can I say about this guy? He is amazing. Uh, so in the first Rocky, like his first words, like, shut up! You know, like, as he's coming up to, like, talk to him, that's his first words in the movie is like, shut up! And then, like, you know, you ever think about retiring? Yada. I mean, good Lord. And then by the time they come around to Rocky II, like, as as Rocky is getting to this point where he's like, I can't take anymore, I can't take anymore, you know, Apollo's baiting him, and then Mickey shows up at his house. He's like, what do you think? I think we ought to knock his block off. You know, it's like, it's like, I agree, uh, totally. You know, like, I, I'm like, oh, yes! A great, a great, a great Mickey scene from the first movie is when he comes to talk to Rocky about training him for this fight with Creed. Mm. And the whole exchange between the two of them and the way Rocky just kind of just unloads on Mickey about how he's mistreated him, how, you know, he's only coming to him because he has this shot and he wants to be, you know, ride on his coattails. And, 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 and I love how that all plays out where, where Mickey just at some point, he's just like, he just puts his hat on, he turns around, he just walks down the stairs as, as Rocky's just yelling and railing about it, whatever. Well, no, I was going to say, like, literally coming to him with hat in hand. Yes, yes. Like, trying to make peace and trying to, like, hat hat off and, like, which, and for for uh, for people of a certain era, like, you know, like, that, that hat was part of your uniform. Mm-hmm. 
and to take that hat off and to like kind of hold it the way you were is like it's a very kind of like submissive sort of thing yeah. like you're you're making yourself vulnerable like you're like I'm taking off the uniform I am I'm giving you a free shot at me yep oh my goodness and and then what follows after that which is Mickey's walking out of Ro- Rocky's apartment and just leaving and you finally hear Rocky st- Oh, but wait, wait, wait. So, so he, but the fact is, like, he forgets something. Was he forgets his hat or whatever? And and Rocky thinks he's left. Mm-hmm. And he comes out of the bathroom, and then Mickey is still there, and he goes back into the bathroom. Yeah, like that. That kind of like weird sort of vulnerability. Yeah, but yet also harshness. Like I'm willing to carry this out. Oh my goodness! Yeah, go ahead. No, no, that's okay. And then, yeah, just just the the culmination of it all, which is you know Mickey's just walking away, you know, from from Rocky's apartment, like you know he's he, you know, just living with the defeat of of Rocky not wanting him. And then you know again the true character of Rocky kind of being revealed, where he comes running mm. out of the apartment, and he runs over to Mick, and and you can see them talking and shaking hands and. You, you know, just, again, establishing that as, as hurt as Rocky... And, and let's be honest, Rocky had reason to, to rail off the way he did. You know, Mickey wasn't being fair to him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, clearly Rocky has a soft spot for Mick. And it, it was just, you mm-hmm. know, again, it just... All of that, like you said, it's like BSG and the character building. It just, it just adds these layers to their relationship. So that over time, it just... Mm. There's a depth there was just brilliant. Just just brilliant brilliant storytelling. There's no dialogue in that scene when that happens. Rocky just runs out. Yeah, you don't hear any of that. Yep. No, it, it was it was just fantastic and yeah, you don't hear any of what he says to Mickey. You just know. And again, it goes back to almost like that that whole like MCU respect for the audience. Like you know what he's saying. Even if you don't know the exact words, you know because you know pretty much what he's saying. Hundred percent. And it's it, it, it in a way it's more heartbreaking because you don't hear what they're saying. You know that Rocky is pouring his heart out in his simple-minded kind of like pug boxer sort of way to Mickey. They reconcile. Yep. And and it, it almost makes it more powerful that you don't know what they say. Right. Right. <laughs> And another thing. Uh, what do you got for and another thing this week? Uh, my and another thing, you know, and and it's it's kind of a, a turning over of a leaf of sorts for me because typically I am catching up about a decade behind on the cultural phenomenons happening on television. Uh, but this past week uh, we saw the debut of a show on NBC called Young Rock. Uh, starring one Dwayne Johnson. Finally! Go ahead. The Rock has come back! Oh, wait, no, wait. He had a deal. Never mind. He, <laughs> he's sorry. sorry. <laughs> well, this is great because the whole premise is it's 2032 and Dwayne Johnson is running for president. Like, this is the premise. Hang on a second, Hank. Hang this, on a second. What? <laughs> yeah, this is the premise of the show. Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, is in 2032 running for president. And he sits down and has an interview with, of all people, Randall Park, who is the actor who plays Jimmy Woo on WandaVision. 
ladies and gentlemen, I'm the the the, the captain has turned off the fastest <laughs> seatbelt sign. We're about what? to hit some turbulence. What is this madness? <laughs> so the premise is he he's being so Randall Park who's gone you know from actor to in 2032 being a media you know news person. So, so wait a minute, it, it it's actual Randall Park. Yes, like it's, it's actually Randall himself. Park interviewing Dwayne Johnson. And the whole idea is this perception that people have of him that he's been you know kind of handed everything, you know all of his success and he and he wants to tell these stories about how he grew up so that people understand that. You know, he came from very meager beginnings to earn his, you know, everything he has, he's earned, you know, through through a mm-hmm. lot of work and through, you know, you know, just just the struggles that he had to go through as, as, as a young person and with his family. And so you, you'll love the the title for episode one. It's called Working the Gimmick. And so it, it kind of starts nice. it kind of starts off with and, and it clearly is kind of a. a you know, a, a love letter of sorts to his father, Rocky, you know, the, the soul man, Rocky Johnson, because it, it focuses on, you know, him as, as a young kid and his father as a professional wrestler and how he grew up in a professional wrestling environment. You know, like they go over to his grandmother's so his father can collect his, his pay, you know, his payday from his wrestling match. And you got like, you know, the wild Samoans there. You got Iron Sheik serving everyone margaritas. You got Andre the Giant walking in with a case of wine because he wants to play cards with everyone. You got Junkyard Dog there. I mean, it was just, it was so well done. And and just, you know, he, he talks about, you know, that like the whole focal point of the episode is working the gimmick. And so it's, you know, what his father did, working the gimmick as as the soul man. It's, you know, young Rocket as a teenager when they moved to Pennsylvania and he had to move high schools, how he, you know, was, uh, you know, he was stealing to kind of, you know, give the appearance that he wore very trendy clothes and was a rich person because he wanted to impress, you know, the ladies and and just kind of what he went through there. And then later on when he went to University of Miami uh, as, as as a, you know, full ride scholarship football player and and how he had to establish himself there. You know, after his father tried to uh, convince them all that he had some sort of, you know, deal with Wheaties to be on the Wheaties box. Um, just a funny show. Just a funny, funny show all around. And and just a great, you know, kind of telling of what I believe are to be true stories from his life. But just, you know, again, dialed up to 11 a little bit. And, of course, you know, at the end of the show, the idea is, you know, he says mm. working the gimmick for him was just being himself, but just dialed up to 11. You know, which is really the rock, you know, from wrestling was was the rock dialed up to 11. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So just, you, you know, mm-hmm. give it a try. It, 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 I'm one episode in. I'm, I'm impressed. I think it's a good show and, and I think it's entertaining and people will like it. So check out Young Rock on NBC. You jabronis hit the jackpot. How about you, sir? Well, uh, I've been reading uh, a book that I've been I've been meaning to read for many, 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 many years. Uh, is uh, the right stuff by Tom Wolfe. So uh, the the right stuff is the story of basically Americans getting into space, and it's kind of funny because I've read the 
the autobiography of of Chuck Yeager several times, um, uh, which is called Yeager in Autobiography, and a very original title, and it's with General Chuck Yeager and Leo Janis. But the right stuff is interesting in that it follows the story of the seven Mercury as- astronauts mm. who were uh, kind of selected to be the first people in space. But then there was also the kind of this this weird sort of thing happening where. The Air Force was basically on the verge of sending manned pilots into space, whereas the Mercury pilots were essentially like, hey, you just go up and don't mess things up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, everything is automated. Just sit in the capsule, and that's all you have to do. And, um, of course, as they're selecting these pilots, they're they're selecting these pilots from, like, you know, the, the best of the best. The pilots are like, really? I don't get to do anything but the the style is very reminiscent of hunter s thompson and uh slightly dialed down nice probably because tom wolf did slightly less cocaine than hunter s thompson did and uh it's it's a great uh a ride there is some easter eggs for those of you who have watched captain marvel and and uh watching poncho's bar or whatever it is that is kind of a a loose reference to things that have happened in the right stuff and in uh, Chuck Yeager's biography, but it is a, it is an excellent read and and something that I think that if you enjoy any kind of uh, biography, you will enjoy this. Very nice. So now we come to the end of our time together, and I know there is much weeping and and gnashing of teeth as we come to the end of our time, but as but. But fear not, members of the Free Range Idiocy Congregation. We shall gather together again sometime. I, I don't know, quite honestly. You know, <laughs> Got to check the, the calendar book. It's, it's a week-by-week week by thing for us. Tim's chugging a Pellegrino right now. I'm still on the old Forester, so we'll, we'll say that, you know. Out of the know, bottle, hey, no less. Yes. Well, no, for you, the Pellegrino, the... You know, I'm still remaining somewhat civil with the old forester. <laughs> but well, we'd like to, as always, as always, we know that we, you know, quite honestly, we know we don't make this easy for you. We, we do understand that we do not make this easy for folks who are, who are trying to listen to a podcast. The fact that this is a podcast about everything but mostly the stuff that we like, uh, does not make it fall into any particular niche. Uh, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right because I've heard niche. so many... F- niche. Uh, you know what? I'll go with that because it sounds fancier. I don't know if we fall into pr- any particular niche, but you know, we thank you for listening. We thank you for, for you know, if you share the free-range idiocy on the social medias, we appreciate that as well. If you have not, if you've somehow stumbled across our humble little cubby hole here on the, on the interwebs, first of all, we're sorry. Um, second of all, we, we appreciate you listening to the whole episode to this point. Be sure to, sh- to, to share it with all your friends, you know, but don't stop there. Share it with all your enemies, all the people you don't like, you know, all the, all the people who just, you know, quite honestly, piss you off. 
because we don't have any standards. We we are just happy to see our names on the interwebs. <laughs> if you could just share that with everybody that you know, we'd be happy. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. We are on Spotify. We are on Podbean. If you go to freerangeidc.com, you will find all of our episodes. You know, go go through and download them twice because you know what? It's all about them sweet, sweet numbers, baby. Yeah. I mean, we ain't making any money off of this, so what the hell? You know, it's just it's all vanity project at this point. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, and then if you have any questions, you have any concerns, you have any suggestions, you have any things that we'd like to talk about, pontificate, expound upon here on the interwebs, and you know what? We'll I'll, I'll, I'll tell you even, I'll, you know, I'll tell you this. For, for a limited time only, we will, if you send in a suggestion, we will mention your name here live on the interwebs. Mm-hmm. Live on the interwebs. <laughs> <laughs> Which, quite honestly, is not that big of a feat since everybody's on the internet now. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, so what? But we'll mention your name live on the interwebs uh, if you send that to Tim at freerangeidiocy.com and he will respond forthwith. And now, at this point, we have reached the end of my time, to which we hear a bunch of hallelujah! And we turn this over to Tim, and I like to, st- I like to take this moment now. I like to Take a deep cleansing breath. Is that gold dust? No, it's actually seven. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. And I like to I like to I like to think back upon the episode and say Tim. Yes, sir. My friend, mm-hmm. my companion, mm-hmm. my roommate. Amen. My life coach. Really? <laughs> Who's got me damn near nowhere. What the hell have we learned today? Uh, we've learned the following. Okay, good. Rian Johnson's trilogy. It might be better than most fans think. Give it a chance. Give Stevie a peek. Couldn't be worse than the prequel trilogy. Could be, but it, it, it could be better. So let, let, mm. let's, give, let's give Mr. Johnson a chance. Mm. And secondly, as we've talked about with the Rocky and Creed movies, classic series of movies, check them out if you haven't. You will not regret it. Avoid Rocky Five like the plague, though. Please, just just stay away from it. it just you, you won't miss anything if you don't see it. <laughs> and Uncle Todd is All raising his hand. All we are saying oh, is give Rian Jansen a chance. There we go. There we go. That's that's the song we need. Somehow it turned. I turned Johnson to Jansen. I'm sorry. That's all right. Sorry, we'll let it go. And finally, uh, a big thank you to our listeners uh, for the downloads. Uh, we, mm. we realized on Podbean uh, this week we have hit fourteen hundred, uh, which is about Good Lord. which is about thirteen hundred and ninety nine more than we expected to get. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and that isn't just Tim just you know whistling Dixie. That's the truth. Maybe thirteen ninety. You know, there's at least ten we were expecting that. But anyway. We, we, we thank well, you for, for the time, for the, you know, for, for, for listening to, to our ramblings and our, our ravings, especially about such a classic series. For low series. standards. What's that? With no standards. That's right. For low standards. Low standards, no standards. <laughs> but as always, uh, as, as we close things down uh, for this episode, be safe, be healthy, be kind, be good to one another. Uh, and as always... Because 
you know, we've got to pay the bills. And Uncle Todd and I are just forgetful at this late age of our lives. Please, hit the lights on the way out. It's like I picked the wrong week to quit drinking. I beg your pardon, what did you say? Damn! You are such a disappointing pair. I prayed so hard for you. Get out. And don't come back until you've redeemed yourselves. Hello, what have we here? Did you give me my cheese wheels, boy? You're wrong. Now all we gotta do is keep our eyes on that brass ring. You're the one, Wyatt. Correct the mundo. Wyatt, I am rolling. And I didn't lock him, I didn't lock his attitude. He was a punk, ready to do a dream, or country way, make him humble. They're positioning themselves all over the world, using this one signal to synchronize their efforts in approximately six hours. The signal's gonna disappear and the countdown's gonna be over. And then what? I forgot you were there. You may go now. Adrian! I did it!